This episode of Weekend Confirmed is brought to you by the Gamefly app, the must-have app for gamers, with info on over 50,000 console, handheld, iOS, and PC games. Get the Gamefly app for free today on your iPhone, iPad, and Android devices. T minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. Weekend Confirmed. Ignition. Hey everybody, welcome to Weekend Confirmed. My name is Garnet Lee, very glad to be here with you today. Uh, We'll share some more Grand Theft Auto stories. We have that Steam uh, announcements, none of which were the ones you were looking for. <laughs> well, maybe by, the t- maybe by the time you've heard this show. Maybe by the time you've heard this show, possibly. Uh, that, of course, is my uh, faithful partner in crime, Mr. Jeff Kanata, right there. That is with two N's and one T, of course. And the studio has been taken over by Cookie Clicker. Yeah. This is ridiculous. <laughs> what are we looking at? Uh, a, a tap. It's nothing. Simulator. It isn't anything. It yeah. is amazing. It's a carpal tunnel creator is what it is. Well, only if you keep manually clicking like Andrew is. I, I just bought some cursors to help me out here. Good. I bought two cursors in the moment that the time I was sent here. My main cookie clicker game is back at my work desk. Your your main cookie Because there's right, a the save one, file. I don't, I don't I think have you're like, allowed to call it a game. I have like So what you're saying is cookie clicker cookies. does not have cloud save. <laughs> well, they, you can save a code. You can do an export code and then um, take the code to a new computer and then import the code and reload your cookie uh-huh. game. I think Cookie Clicker could be prosecuted under child labor laws. It's it's just a you can buy motion. child labor as an upgrade in the game. Actually, <laughs> you really? Yes, you can. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff sold on the game. Now you managed to completely flip him around on the game. What is it's, this? It's thing? a factory upgrade because there's all these different things you can buy to help make more cookies, so you don't have to click all the time. But- yeah. Do, the whole game is to stop you from doing the thing that the game is. That's what the game is. No. You started doing something, and then you don't want to do that thing. The thing that the entire game is, you don't want to do. It's commentary on free-to-play games, really, if you think about it. It's You're redonkulous. Yes, this is stupid, but I'm going to keep on clicking to figure out what the appeal of this is. <laughs> You're trying... No, I want to keep doing I, it. Just, there has to be something here. That's just the sad oh, thing. Okay, Jeff, that's just the part sad, of it. The sad thing is, I haven't played Grand Theft Auto Five yet, but I am playing this game. I want to come up with the ball peen hammer to the face game and no, see how many people will play it. No, no, no. Listen, the the clicking is just one mechanic in the game. There's a lot of it's like There's almost also like cookies. A, it's like a time management All or I've like seen a, or a strategy there doing game. Is tapping on the t- uh, tapping on the touchpad because he's not. She's not strategizing, so you have to buy you have to buy cursors and grandmas. No, no, Strate- I, and strategizing and I have a grandma clicking. and and a farm and look at all those hands there. The, what are the hands doing? They're clicking. They're for me. clicking <laughs> on the cooking, you know, which isn't anything. That's not anything. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I have a suspicion we should not show Andrew any number of free-to-play games that are out on iOS devices. Why are you continuing to click? He could be lost for forever. We could going, lose him. We're going to have to amputate that hand. <laughs> so by the way, rounding out the introductions, uh, lost over there in the cookie corner oh are, are Andrea and Andrew. I guess there's something about our name that makes us what... I, once again, this is a very non-intensive game. I can keep on clicking and talk to you guys right. at the same time. You're not allowed to call it a game. It is not a game. It is a game because there's strategy to upping your cookies per second. Like, <laughs> Why right- do you want to do that? Why do you want to do that? 
<laughs> because the, the higher your cookies per second are, the more cookies you can make and the more upgrades you can buy. And then you to can do the thing you didn't want to do in the first place. <laughs> so no, it's all about avoiding the only thing that the game is. No, it's this not. is the dumbest loop game ever. <laughs> it's about maximizing it because now when I click on the cookie in my game, I one click isn't one cookie. Like you oh. start out now when I do one click, it's you get a oh, whole baker's dozen. It's you a million cookies. The game a is a million cookies. A million cookies per click. The game yes. is you have to click this cookie. Here are ways so you can prevent yourself from having to do that as often. But there's nothing else. So, no, so it's not to prevent you from doing it. It's to supplement. You can avoid supplement. it. You can avoid the only thing that the game is. And you the better you get at the game, hey. the less you have to do the no, one thing that you no, didn't no, want to no. do in the first place. You're, you're maximizing efficiency. It's different. Jeff, it is kind of ultimate reductionist Diablo. Oh, fuck you, Garner. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Me just realize this. God damn it. God damn you and your logic. <laughs> it is, I don't it really is believe Diablo that. reduced <laughs> to its lowest common denominator. No movement, no do animation. You want, do you want no the art? cookie? Do you want the cookie? cookie. Click on the cookie. fucking cookie. Cookie, click. Cookie, click. I will, I, I will I'm say maximizing I'm, my cookie production. I have to say, I just had a paradigm shift and I'm no longer interested in video games. <laughs> <laughs> so this will be my last episode. I bid you all adieu. <laughs> I'm trying to play Cookie Clicker on the iPad and it's not working. Cookie Clicker single-handedly broke video games for me. <laughs> so, uh, is With one, like one a- hand. One <laughs> hand. One finger, actually. For those who haven't been warned off already, is it like cookieclicker.com or something? Is it a Flash game? Is it a browser game? No, just, it's... Just Bing it. Bing search cook, you know, cookie cutter. Or Google it. Yeah. Or Yahoo you, you it. So how'd you get it on your iPad? Is it running in a browser? Yeah. So I have it running in, in Safari. Okay. So it runs it's in like a browser. It's like ortiel.dashnet.org is okay, the so actual... Okay. So it awful URL. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's, it's, it's just to make ease of use better. <laughs> it's a .org, so you know you can trust it. <laughs> of course. What you're actually doing is spinning the hamster wheel on a thousand DDoS attacks. You are actually yeah, doing you are, you are, they are doing crowdsourcing the DDoS. DDoS. That is so true, dude. You are on today, Garnett. Yeah. And it's so weird. Fuck, it's so weird. Every, every five minutes, there's a capture that I have to, have to figure out. You are, they're enslaving people to, for their freaking internet army. It's all about the transmuted grandmas, okay? Do you get other sorts of cookies later? Yes, you do. Oh. There's plain sugar, macadamia nut. They have a white chocolate covered cookie. Snickerdoodle? I haven't even unlocked this I haven't seen that snickerdoodle You're still yet. clicking, Andrew! <laughs> it doesn't take that much effort. I'm still talking to you people. Why are you yelling? We're in a small room. Okay, we're going to have to take the MacBook away from Andrew. <laughs> and I was, you're gonna, look, I, you're going to have to do it more softly because we're getting a little sonic feedback from the table. It is It is vibrating quite a lot. All right. Table. I, I'm, so- I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm such an intense clicker. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. I, I, I'm making uh, 15 cookies a second automatically now. So. <laughs> well, thank God for that. <laughs> well, this show is off to a start, isn't it? We'll see how it's high you can fault, get Garnett. his it's CPS by fault. the end of the show. They brought Cookie Clicker into this world and single-handedly <laughs> destroyed video games. I, it was not on Andrew and myself. Like this existed before <sighs> us. You know, if Mrs. Fields was smart, they'd be all over that right now. Be like, yeah. brand the shit out of that. Yep. Slap it on every device possible. It's, it's funny org. that you bring that up because yesterday I said I wanted a cookie really bad and there's a Mrs. Fields across the street from my apartment. I'm like, cookie clicker makes me want cookies. Uh, <laughs> I was wondering where the logic train was going, but then it yeah, pulled into the station. It did. And, and there was I've, the bell. Uh, I'm just sad now. Why are you sad? Because <laughs> I can't 
I can no longer decouple Cookie Clicker from Diablo. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's got this really I'm exciting sorry. factor where you like leave it overnight when you go to sleep and you wake up and there's like trillions of cookies waiting for you to spend. It's, it's very exciting. All right. So coming up on the rest of the show, we, uh, <laughs> we have Andrew freshly back from Japan where he was at Tokyo Game Show. We'll have a report on that. Uh, I don't want to waste any more time, though. I think we should hop into the... Well, we've got lots more to talk about with Grand Theft. We have Andrea here. We get a woman's perspective on the Grand Theft Auto stuff. And I have some more thoughts I've been thinking about a lot. Actually, I think, Jeff, it was you who steered me to the Kill Screen article mm-hmm. about uh, Grand Theft Auto. Was that you to steer me to that? <clears throat> I, I I don't know. I, I tweeted out a couple of them. And so it, was, it's, it was really I really good. Did you see the Grantland one? That and I the Grantland one is also really good. That's my favorite so far. So, uh, we, you know, it actually inspired some more critical thinking about it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I have some thoughts about how maybe up our asses we got over that conversation. Or maybe not. We'll I talk. don't know. I, I feel like... We'll talk. Yeah. So, Steam, uh, big announcements. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, the, this, the third announcement will be out. But so far, the two parts that they have revealed, because they kind of should they show the circle and the other circle, and then Friday is the zero plus zero, the circle plus zero. But the first part is an OS, and the second part yeah. is, surprise, surprise, boxes. Well, I like... Actually... I know this is a very minor point, but I kind of like that they're not calling them boxes and they're calling them machines. I like okay. that it's the Steam machine. Steam but, machine. You yes. Can, as seen on TV, take the wrinkles out of your clothes. <laughs> yeah. Ever, I made that joke on Twitter. I was like, does this take wrinkles out of my dresses? Yeah, Steam machine. <laughs> Sorry. I'm glad you all remember. Actually, it probably will put wrinkles into your dresses because <laughs> you'll be sitting down playing video games for all day, hours. Slouching. <laughs> all right. So for starters, you got the OS. Linux-based, yeah. uh, exactly what people have been talking I mean, really, the funny thing is that these announcements are just more like confirmations of much of the speculation over the past six to eight months, mm-hmm. right? So here we've got the Linux or OS. longer. Yeah. I mean, we've been thinking about this for multiple years at this point, right? That it just made sense to have Steam become an operating system and have yep. it be a sort of competitor in the console market, really. So my pitch out to you is this, that... My my hypothesis starting off is that calling it the Steam OS is really smart, even if it is simply just a new Linux distro, because they need to separate themselves. Look, there have been lots of attempts to run uh, Linux into the into the popular mainstream, you know, Red Hat, etc. Yeah. And and none of them, no matter how easy to install or how friendly or how promoted they were, have really caught on. And I think that making this not a Steam endorsed Linux OS, but right. calling it Steam OS to the folks most of you who are listening to the podcast will know the difference, but to the folks who aren't listening to this podcast, hearing it as the Steam OS, I think will yeah. give it a really good core identity from which to build in the first place. Gives Completely them a, gives agree them a shot. with you. Yeah, absolutely. Shot to start from. What do you guys think? Well, there, it also introduces developer tools that, you know, for the most part, haven't been made available to other versions of Linux. One of the reasons why games don't typically come on Linux, in addition to the relatively small uh, support it has, is that it's even more fragmented, right? There, there's all these different flavors of Linux running all different kinds of hardware with questionable driver support uh, and no well, they're real... Well, not questionable. I mean, just not lacking in driver support. And 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 no real way of, of optimizing for, for that platform. And, and you yeah. know, Valve, Valve has thrown a lot of support into make, making that infrastructure within Linux to make it... Make it a viable operating system for gaming. So yeah. let me let me counter that though. Can or or how well equipped can Valve be to be that support network? Considering that we're talking about an organization, as far as we know, of a couple to three hundred personnel headcount, 
that has internal projects that they work on in the games business. And, you know, providing that level of support that you're talking about that makes an OS work is something that and, you know, whatever bureaucratic imaginings you want to have about Microsoft, they have literally thousands of people working in support of the OS. Right. I don't project Valve gearing up to anything of sort of that sort of magnitude. So how well equipped are they to support an OS in the way that would make it have those dev tools backed up? Well, I think that it's it's going to be a, a question of what does the OS look and feel like. If it's sure. a really insulated environment akin to booting up a console, I think that'll be a very different kind of thing than needing to be able to say, well, I plugged my printer in and why doesn't it work? Well, what kind of printer do you have among the tens sure. of thousands of printers that are out? You know, the things that Windows has to be accountable for are a order of magnitude greater than something like an Xbox or a PlayStation needs to be accountable for. And if that is the playground in which they're they're playing, then I think it's a much more manageable uh, kind of situation for them. And they already clearly have a end user support system for in Steam. In that scenario, though, how so in that scenario, how competitive can the OS and the accompanying machines be if they are not as as multi-purpose functional as your typical home PC or laptop. But, but isn't that exactly what everybody's been clamoring for? I mean, I'm, you can't be a servant of two masters here. I mean, either you're make, either it's a PC and then, well, what's the point? We have PCs, you know, and I can load Steam on my PC, no problem. Yes, you can. Uh, or it's this dedicated gaming machine slash media center that is basically like a, a, a console, which is what everybody seems to be wanting from a Steam box or a Steam machine. And if that's the case, then the price point's going to be huge. Right. Yeah. I, that's I think the that's, big question. I think that's the sticking point. And that might be the third announcement. People to be that honest. I've talked to about it is that, I mean, PC gamers are used to dropping a lot of money to keep their machines updated and, you know, and have like the top end hardware. But we've shot holes in that argument before. Yes, you can we have. A, you, you can, can build, build a good gaming PC for three, four, five hundred dollars. You can. I mean, maybe six or seven. Right, but like that's still more expensive than any of the consoles that are coming out onto the market. It's more expensive than any of the next gen offerings that we're well, seeing. Your three to four hundred dollar one wasn't, but I don't think you can really do that. You could. It's like six or seven for a gaming right. PC to well, start. I think, right. I think that. I think that by the time this episode airs. They'll probably have a, a, a sense of what that pricing is going to be. Well, it's going to be variable. I, I mean, I, I don't think they're going to remember the these boxes aren't even coming out until next year. And, and Valve and they're not, said they're on their site that there, yeah. there's going to be a variety of models. There's going to be different sizes, different they're, pricings, different they're, they're manufacturers. A, yeah, they're taking you know Windows's approach where it's like, hey, you know, we're making the operating system. We'll have a test box, you know, sort of right. like the target ideal, but. It's but, up to manufacturers to decide what they're going to do with it. And the thing is, a, a Steam box could be end up being cheaper than a typical gaming PC because you're not paying for Windows. Remember that right. that license is really significant. Well, hundred bucks? What is that? hundred bucks? Off yeah. Well, a hundred dollars yeah. is the difference between a PS4 and an Xbox One, and see how people are angry about that. Sure. Mm. No, I'm. Yeah, but it doesn't get you from six, seven hundred dollars to three hundred dollars. Uh, it, well, six. It goes from six hundred to five hundred. Now you're at Xbox One pricing, right? Well, I mean, uh, some of the preliminary at, estimates we saw for Steambox for people pricing it out. I mean, it was anywhere from like eight hundred to a thousand, even more than that. I mean, but where are they getting these numbers from? You can have a really low end Steambox. They're just pulling them out. Of their ass. Well, yeah, exactly. They're, they're, yeah. They're, they're, they're pulling. They're pulling. You know, off the shelf parts out and saying, and, "Oh, and, well, if it had and, this sort of a case and this sort of a power and a, supply." And a PS4, you know, it's 
not running top of the line stuff. And if Sony is able to sell it at four hundred, yes, they're taking something of a hit on it. But you could probably reasonably sell that for like five hundred. But that's the question I've always had with with Steam boxes per se. When whenever this topic has come up over the years, <clears throat> is you know we saw Microsoft attempt to do some sort of you have a a you know you run this diagnostic on your your PC and you have you have a four. You know, your PC is a four, which means you can run these games. And and they even tried, and I remember a few years ago, trying this you initiative. You mean the Microsoft Performance Index? Exactly. They tried this initiative where that would that number would be pasted on the box. Experience. Yeah. So you need at least a four or higher to play this game, or you need a three. You know, and, and that obviously didn't work. And I wonder if there's going to be such a wide variety of these Steam machines, if you're going to run into that problem of like, well, I bought a Steam machine and I can't play X, Y, or Z on it. Now- because the OS is integrated and you have Valve, who is the, you know, basically the distributor of all these online games involved, there may be the kind of thing where all that happens without you even need, needing to know about it. Like it'll read what kind of Steam box you or Steam machine you have and configure your games accordingly and you don't even need to know about it. But I think as a power user, that's not something that I would want to have happen. I, I, but I mean, I'm not the target I mean, audience for this anyway, really. Well, that's what NVIDIA has been playing around with. You know, the, now you have the NVIDIA Experience desktop client that right. will optimize your game. But as but many I, people say, you know, oh, well, it, I've seen what I'm seeing what it's doing and yeah. it is doing a, a adequate job of optimizing. But I know better how to go yeah. in and set these variables. And I do go right. in. I always go in and mess with stuff and I get really great performance at higher settings than they it's, would have set it, for me. Anyway. It's a Linux distro. So I'm pretty and, you know, they've said it's an open source, you know. Things. I'm pretty sure they're going to let you tinker with whatever. I, I don't think they're going to get rid of that, really. And and the thing is, you know, let's not forget, like, iOS. Every time a new iPad or iPhone comes out, right, you have a generation of hardware that becomes obsolete with games. And the App Store doesn't really do a great job of communicating that. And that hasn't really stopped people from developing or buying games, right? If you have yeah. a if you have an iPod second generation, chances are you're not going to be able to play Infinity Blade 3, right? But... You know how does the i so, how how does the app store communicate that and it doesn't do, let you download it? Doesn't it? Isn't it prevent you from downloading it if you don't have the it right? It does. Hardware? Yes. So you know that that could be a solution, but ultimately, you know, I don't think. Uh, but I we're don't all think, I don't think, think, see. We're all building on this assumption that there's going to be all of these games available under Steam OS. Well, wouldn't and I well, think that's, well, I think that's a bit of a logic jump. Well, really? they have, I, they I, have I, announced that it's what three hundred or four hundred games native to Steam OS. I think that's they said quite three thousand in well, the no, Steam no, no, library no, that yeah, were going and, to no, be no, available. No, 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 you, you can you can you can stream games so exactly. There, there's mm-hmm. a lot of games you can stream, but there's still a sizable number of games that'll run natively hey. on the. Are you platform. talking about specifically like big picture mode games that have? Oh no! So one support? of the one of the features of Steam OS is that you can actually stream windows games from your home pc yeah from your to big your powerhouse PC. Right. yeah to yeah. to your uh you know tiny See, little i think that's the way this thing the... if it succeeds will succeed because ultimately look you, so okay so they have 300 games right now there's a number of indie titles that are out there but how many big projects how many of the games that p- people really get big attention to are going to do a dedicated linux slash steam os build after the initial steam os you know hype wears down if the if the boxes don't take off and i mean we're talking about taking off i mean i think it needs to move in excess of a couple three million enable to boy people when i say that in excess of two to three million units in let's say the first you know six to ten months in order to really be a player and if not then then you're back to this situation that hey it has this really cool ability that you put the box next to your television and then you can run the game on your Windows-based PC, 
And does it get the, how does it get the information over there over your network? Over your network? Yeah, I mean, I would yeah. assume that it would, it would it would they could market it sort of like what Vita TV Vita TV yeah, exactly. is for PS4. Exactly. A lot of people are excited about Vita. And I TV. like this idea. So this is actually what gets me most excited. I don't. I honestly am very cautious about how, you know thinking about how successful they'll be with Steam OS as a native platform. But I think that as a if they could get, I don't know, dude. If they can build the me, the whole thing just doesn't make sense to me. I just have to be honest. What, if they can build me a box for a few hundred bucks that could sit underneath my television, be a media center, and be able to receive games that we're playing on my PC, on my full scale gaming rig, and put them on my big television, then I, that would I be a pretty like, interesting. I'd I, like that. But I feel like that's a great proposition for a ninety nine dollar PS Vita. TV. Yeah, but for a five hundred dollar box, right? No, yeah. That's ridiculous. But what if it's also your media center? Yeah, but you I can mean, get a I Roku mean, for for a hundred yeah. bucks too. You know I mean, what I mean? Like a lot. Of, I'm sure a lot of Steam power users have a HTPC already connected to their TVs. Yeah. So I think I just for me, but I'd is be, their HTPC as powerful as their gaming box? No, but the thing is, with the streaming, uh, for me, well, what I would be interested in is, oh, can I easily install Steam OS? Uh, on my HTPC, which is already there. Oh, right. So then they could do it that way, right? Yeah, so they wouldn't need the machine. They, they don't exactly. need to buy a new box, the machine. but exactly. the operating system would will still be there. And True. I think I think I think Valve's approach. That's why they're splitting up these announcements into you know three distinct things because there's the people that that are going to be interested in just the operating system for what that can do. Because remember, you can install the operating system on any machine, right? Okay, there are going to be people that want the the convenience of of some kind of hardware. Where they don't want right, to, they don't have to think about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, you know, that's the plug and play option. Whether it goes as low as like a hundred dollar Vita TV kind of solution, where all it does is stream, or it ends up being a more ser- you know serious rig at a thousand, whatever. Those possibilities exist, right? That's an entire ecosystem of hardware. So that's a very interesting idea. So maybe it would be lightweight enough that if you don't want, so maybe so maybe there's a customer that wants the machine, and the machine is equipped with a reasonable video card enough processor power that it could run apps and you know it can run steam games steam os games natively but then for someone else who's maybe a power user like you're describing instead of buying a steam machine i just buy one of those off-the-shelf htpcs or put together a cheap yeah, one you know, build for one myself, yourself like the you arm, know? arm processor like nothing next to nothing in, in the guts of it and i run xbmc on it so I have my media stuff, and I and use it. I'm I use, pretty sure XBMC would be supported on Steam Steam OS oh yeah. anyway. I mean, exactly. That, I was jumping there, okay, yeah. but yeah. So that, and then, and then I use that as my portal to bring my whatever games I'm playing over here on my on my high end, you know, gaming mm-hmm. machine into my television. That would work cool. <laughs> to your, I'd be down with that. To your earlier point or question, though, I, I wonder is is there no is it not reasonable to think that they might require Steam OS support in order to have your game on their platform? No, I think there would be a huge backlash yeah. against that. Uh, I, yeah, I, I can't. I can't imagine developers being mm. particularly happy about that. Having to, I mean, it, it would be like saying, "Hey, you also have to make an OS X version of all your games because Steam is on OS X as well, right?" Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. It, it it just it it it's better for them. It's better for consumers. It's better for developers if, if you I, just give people choice. You know, I'm just interested to hear what you guys have to say about the idea that. Steam machines are a more appealing purchase than getting some of the next-gen offerings. Like, why would I want to get a Steam machine instead of getting a PS4 or an Xbox One? I think it's I think it's a bit too hypothetical right now to actually jump to that conclusion uh, or that well, question. Well, I think all you all of the benefits... It's basically saying, why do you want to be a PC gamer versus a console gamer? There's a lot of benefits to being a PC gamer. Well, and there are you, a lot of- but think about it. If you already have a PC, in order to get like the most out of SteamOS, it sounds like you're going to need to have a standalone PC rig 
that that's going to be streaming to whatever Steam machine you get. Not necessarily. Well, theoretically, it, it, but because yeah, there's like it seems like there's multiple kinds right. of people that there, they're targeting. Right. And there might be these beefy Steam machines right. that and you Steam, don't don't and need. Steam a, OS is built around the living room. I mean, Valve has said that yep. repeatedly. And in, in the in in the beta agreement for the hardware, they're they, you need you to can, have big picture mode running. Right, at least and, once, yeah. and they're going to have a controller and this and this. So it's not about mouse and keyboard gameplay. So like, I feel like at that point, then why would I want a Steam machine with a controller with a gamepad and not a PS4? Well, because you get you get. All the benefits of PC gaming. You get the Steam ecosystem of Steam sales and and all Steam the Steam Cloud. Yeah, Steam all that play. Right, all uh, that's fun stuff that people are enjoying about Steam. And it you, sounds like though that Microsoft and Sony are both going to be doing that or moving well, towards doing that. Well, so I think you know each platform has their own advan- advantage, right? With with PlayStation, right? If you have a Vita, for example, and you buy games on PlayStation Plus, and you know you. It's like, oh, I have this PS3 game. I'm going to keep on playing it on my Vita. And then, oh, I have, I'm going to get the PS4 version. It'll, it'll all transfer. Wow. You know, once you're in that ecosystem, you, you get treated pretty well, right? And, and Steam offers, a, you know, its own vision where it's like, oh, you have a, a PC at work and you can, you know, download Half-Life 2 to that, start playing there, and then, you know, continue playing when you get back home on your Mac. And then, oh, now you want to play on your TV uh, with our Linux box. You know, that's sort of like their vision where it's like, well, when you're in our eco- ecosystem, it'll be portable amongst these devices. And Microsoft, um, well, Microsoft doesn't care. But they're about still that. a little behind in that game, yes. <laughs> they're they're <laughs> a little bit behind, but but presumably with Windows 8 and and you know with Windows Phone 8 and and Surface right, Pro and, I, and, and, I, and I, all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. I think a lot of what people like about PC gaming historically is the level of control that you get, which is why I brought up earlier. It's going to be really interesting to see what. Valve does with regard to control in the Steam OS environment because I think that's a that's a major draw for people is saying, well, I'm willing to go to, you know, a few f- frames fewer per second in order to get a higher resolution or I'm I'm a you know, I have mm-hmm. the power to make those decisions. And oh, that's and sort of mods. control. And control exa- controls over like how how customizable can I make? Yeah, mod, exactly. mod support, yeah. you know, mod because, support, because right. let's not forget that consoles have been historically closed off. You know, you could you can never install a mod onto a you know the PS3 well, and, version and, and of And you've game, never had example. a menu screen where you go in and like select do I want to go with, you know, anti-aliasing how, how, how many sampling over uh, exactly. anti-aliasing do I want a triple buffer do I want to enable v-sync like, right but like semi-resolution all that yeah, stuff. And, yeah. and for power users that is going to be a big draw uh for pc gaming but i think it always for, has been but yeah but for i think the audience that valve might be catering towards with a more casual approach the living room approach is that hey steam is usually really cheap you know so their, their games get really cheap compared to yeah. their competitors playstation plus has been catching up and i do think that Xbox Live has been becoming more competitive as well, but right now the the gold bar, the standard, <laughs> you know, is Steam set sales. By Steam. But it's, sure. and it's really interesting because we, you know, we've been talking about this this generation coming up of consoles uh, for a long time, saying they're getting closer and closer to being PCs. But the inverse is also true. PC yep. PCs are getting closer and closer yep. to being I consoles, mean, and there's just this use Windows Eight, and you'll you, you'll see their tr- their attempt, their approach at trying to go for some kind of unified simplicity, which sort they of are, they are two different them. worlds. I mean, it's interesting to look at we're having that ecosystem discussion, mm-hmm. and it's interesting to consider that you know much of what we're talking about here laid the foundation for what the initial pitch of Xbox One was, but but yeah. but we as gaming consumers really hold Microsoft in a whole different light than we hold Steam. 
You know, we yeah. look at Steam and say, okay, Steam has given us lots of sales before. They're very aggressive with pricing. We feel like they're a good gaming partner. I think part of that goodwill is just that these are the guys and gals who made Left 4 Dead and Half-Life. And you're like, oh, of course, I love these people. They're awesome. They're awesome. like our buddies. Whereas Microsoft is, you know, the big, you know, bad American corporation. And so they're, of course, trying to do this to screw us. And they're never going to offer any of these sales. They're never going to be as good. You know, at some point in time... What's to say Steam doesn't get doesn't stop doing these sales? Steam has been doing all these sales because of its perceived competition, because of its desire to take market share. Hmm. You know, how long do you think? How long do you trust them to continue? Which to is be why so it's important that there is competition in the market. And I think uh, you know, it's it's great that we have so many viable gaming platforms coming out. Uh, I, I, but the thing is, I don't how about think- this? Do you see a future where if they do this, if you are playing through a Steam box? The game has to have been Steam authorized. And granted, a lot of a lot of digital retailers right now, when you buy a game from them, you get a Steam activation code anyway because the publisher right. is using Steam as their DRM. Well, that, that's what's going to be so interesting. Also, is can I can I on my Steam box pop out and download it from the download something else? Can I can I don't know because can you run unsigned about, code pretty much right, right. like because DRM if, free. Content. Exactly. Yep. Because yeah, that's if, what if you're talking yeah. about it as a replacement for an HTC PC, what a lot of people do with their HTPCs is, you know, r- download shit directly to that. So it, that, it, it depends on, yeah, whether or not they're letting you access the rest of the Linux kernel, right? Right. Uh, but then on the other side, you could probably just have a partition with Windows on it, right? So, yeah, <laughs> that, theoretically. That, of course. That, that's, theoretically. That, yeah. that, of course, that's always the alternative, right? I, I, I think that's... and that's Just the, like you do on your MacBook. That's, and that's <laughs> the... And th- seriously, that's the beauty of PC gaming, right? You're, you're, you're like, ah, screw this ecosystem. Let me just switch over to a different hard drive, you know? Right. Uh, and I, I, I do miss when PS3 used to support Linux. Remember, that was like totally sure. a thing. Uh it would have been nice to see them like continue that, uh, but yeah, yeah. As long as you can, you know, click some cookies while you're playing, that's all. That oh matters. yeah, I, oh, forgot, good God. I, for, I forgot all about the cookies that I had. Stop, <laughs> stop. All right, how about we take a break? We come back, we'll get into another ecosystem. Maybe I don't know, Los Santos. <laughs> Stick around; we can confirm to be right back. This episode of Weekend Confirmed is brought to you by the GameFly app, the must-have app for gamers, with info on over fifty thousand console, handheld, iOS, and PC games. Get up-to-the-minute gaming news along with thousands of HD videos and screenshots. Get into the action by creating your own profile, post updates about what you're playing, and stay connected with friends and other gamers. Tired of standing in lines? Find great deals on new and used games, pre-order upcoming titles, and get Gamefly's daily deals all from the palm of your hand. If you're already a Gamefly member, manage your game queue on the go and keep games you like with just one tap. Get the Gamefly app for free today on your iPhone, iPad, and Android devices. All right, let's take a uh, return second week venture into Los Santos. Last week we had a lot of great discussion. I thought actually I was I was really happy with the discussion last week. I thought we I was too. I felt pr- very proud of that episode. And fun. then I went away. And here's what happened when I went away. I went away and I listened to it again, and I was like, "Wow, we are really some. We really think a lot of our own shit, don't we?" I mean, I, thought, I felt like we were being. I I feel like. Especially now that I've played the game quite a bit. Uh, by the way, I love the game. And I want to talk. You know what I want to talk about today that we didn't talk about last week? I want to talk about just playing the game. Like we talked, we got a lot about concepts and you know. I don't know. I felt like we had a whole and, segment about playing the game, and then we had a segment about a little. Yeah, deeper. We dug in. We dug in pretty quickly. Anyway, I feel like overall we may have been over intellectualizing what at the end of the day is. Grand Theft Audio, Grand Theft Audio, Grand Theft Auto. Ooh, that's a fun side project. <laughs> Grand Theft Auto, the video game, and 
where exactly does it aim? I mean, how I, much of this is us overintellectualizing it and wanting it to be? I bristle at that, and I and I I really I really He's bristling. He looks like Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> looks like a little poop with swords coming out of it. Anybody Gross. watch Brooklyn Nine Nine? No. She's like, it's I, a por- I drew a porcupine. He's like, I think she drew a little poop with swords coming out of it. She's like, it's a porcupine. And One sentence like, review, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Pretty funny. Yeah, I, I left out loud a couple times. How many it's episodes? Not, two. All right, I missed the first one, but it's I DVR'd the one. So. It's not, you know, it's not the greatest show ever, but it, it's fun. Um, <laughs> ringing endorsement. However, I will say, I, uh, I, I got several uh, tweets, emails, whatever, feedback from people are saying it's just a game. Just uh, why are you? It's just a game. So I'm not saying that, but go ahead. I want to hear what you said, but that's not and what that, I'm saying. It that I think that really bugs me because. There's no one saying that you can't enjoy it as just a game. I, right. I'm not my desire to dig a little deeper and kind of search for theme and meaning and and cultural uh, significance in something that is, again, I will say the will be the biggest media property in the history of humankind. I think that's a pretty fair thing to do, and it doesn't invalidate it as a fun pastime, but. The, the fact that it exists in our modern culture and to, and is so prevalent, I think it has more meaning than just a game. And to say, well, it's just a game. Why are you th- overthinking it? I'm not overthinking it. I'm thinking it the exact appropriate amount that's right for me. I, I think- agree with Jeff. I think that that's a smart angle to take. I think that it's easy for people to take that with this particular game because of the type of game it is. But I mean, people weren't saying that about The Last of Us. They weren't saying about that about Bioshock Infinite, both which had really interesting intellectual themes going on in those games that I think were more story of a different ilk. You know, of course, of a different, of a much different, ilk. of a different ilk. But they're and in the same. But they're don't... in the same medium. They're all games. But we don't endeavor to intellectualize to this degree over Saints Row. Well, because they're, I mean, that's purely comedy for the sake of comedy. I mean, you make, you make a fair point, and I, but I think that I, I kind of agree with what Andrea is saying. I think Saints Row isn't, it, it is demonstrably doing something differently than Grand Theft Auto is. How much of Grand Theft Auto's endeavor do you feel gets directed at painting for you a satirical picture of American society and how much of it is directed at here is a a caricature of American society to go play around with in this hyper-realistic world and as a symptom of that, these are some things you're going to notice. I'm not sure I understand your question. Uh, I, I, I feel like... I, let me try again. Okay. Okay, so... I'm sitting down to, you know, pre, pre-design, you know, I, I prototype out how I'm going to do Grand Theft Auto. How much of it am I thinking I want to deliver to the player this message and this message and this message and this message, which I think we were focused. I felt like our conversation and many of the conversations have gotten into this like, well, you know, what does this tell us about society and what does this mean? And you know, how, how, how do we feel about the impact of the way these characters are behaving versus, which is another way of saying it is just context. Is it? I think so. I think that's what I was searching for, but go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt. And how much of it is, well, I want to create this hyper-realistic world. I want to create this world where a player can have this experience that is at once both familiar, but, you know, many, many levels over 
what would be you know a real experience and by virtue of that there are all these symptoms of societal ills and and personal ills that come through in the game and it's not because they're trying to beat us over the head with some message and it's not because the game is striving to be some sort of you know big message delivering system but it's because of the fact of its very nature that I, these pieces come across. I really strongly disagree with that. Really? I do. And, mm-hmm. and I think I think you you're right if the game was just this sandbox. Even if this sandbox was created as a parody of Los Angeles, which it is, and was painted in the same hues that this parody is clearly painted in, i.e. all the billboards are ridiculous uh undermining of of pop culture, all the stores are, you know, FIB this and life stealer that and all of the it's if, send-ups. It's, it's if all of that was it was still in the game and it was merely a big sandbox in which to play, mm-hmm. I would buy what you're saying. However, the storyline and which is which is this massive, lengthy, incredible production value, three character epic storyline, mm-hmm. this grand opera of of crime in California there's more going on there than just a send up it is and and i think the problem for me is that it is difficult to figure out what the fuck they're trying to say like it doesn't have point of view it has it's it's a scattershot unfocused shotgun blast of all these ideas that for me just ends up being one note rage and 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 that is why i said all the things i said last week is because i'm i'm searching for something to latch onto i'm searching for some satirical take there's no take it's just angry uh undermining see, of everything you said you said you started off by saying i'm searching for this and i think that 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 by virtue of searching for that you comes up empty because really for my for my point of view this is Three character studies, three character studies of three tragically flawed characters who are just just on the cusp of being relatable. And yet at the same time, that's com- I've, the, the, no, they're not on the cusp. <laughs> you, you don't think they're on the cusp of being relatable? Trevor's on the cusp of being relatable? A, a crazy I, 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 any more or less so than a character like Dexter. I mean, I think the uh, uh, Dexter's far more relatable as a character, but that's a discussion for another time. I'm really on the same page. I can I can here. imagine I can imagine a I mean, look, this crazy guy who is, you know, off his rocker for whatever reason, it, it, they they kind of explain to a degree some of his backstory a little bit into the game. And so you're like, no, where, where he's coming from. And like, you know, he's obviously disturbed. I think what's 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 disturbing about the game. The other is, two characters how, are more how relatable his anger is his his giant middle finger to everything i think and i and i i mean this he is, is the fringes fringiest of the fringe right and but but his his if you can distill him down to one thing it's fuck you to everything fuck you to i mean there's one point in one mission where he drops off uh, this is a tiny spoiler it's not that big of a deal so it's and it's late in the game, but don't worry about it. It's not that big of a deal. Cover your kitten's ears. He drops off Franklin to Franklin's house. Frank, he's trying to be friends with Franklin, and Franklin's like, "Dude, you're weird." <laughs> he says, "All right, bye. I'll see you later." He walks out onto the street, and there's a guy walking past him, and he, and the, he turns to the guy and he goes, "What? 
what did you say? And he punches him in the face and knocks the guy out cold and then just leans over him and goes, fuck you. And he turns and looks out to the city and goes, fuck everybody. Man on fire. And that is, I think, Trevor. That it is, is. That's no, you're the right. character. And that's why he has this, like the rampage missions, which to me are kind of dumb and bizarre. Right. But that is, that to me isn't anything. It it's, isn't any. No, you're right. It is. I mean, that's the whole thing is like that sort of, that because that sort of rage and temperament is empty. Right. It but is, that's not what that, the game is saying. That's not, that's not, oh, I, I, think I don't is. think that gets the game's point of view. That's the message I get from it, or at least with Trevor. The message I get from that with Trevor is that, that no amount of, no amount of violence and enrage, enraged behavior that Trevor works in ever has any cathartic effect on him. It never has any, any, it never satisfies him. He's never satisfied by any amount of rage. That's that he not throws true. Out I think he's the happiest character in the game. He's always lecturing. See, this is the thing that when I say it's like, well, this you, is why the characters are, are pretty good though. Well, th- well, this is why people are like, well, you're overanalyzing it. No, this game lectures me constantly. Hmm. And the lectures that, that Trevor gives to Michael are often about how unhappy Michael is. And if he just lived like Trevor, he would be so much happier. But Trevor isn't happy. No, I think he, he's very content, dude. I think he's very happy in his own skin. He's okay. completely secure with who he is. Uh, I think that his outward actions are are just telegraphing all of this internal to- torment and toil that he has. He's, he's really torn up. Why else would he Why else would he be like that? Well, that's the question, right? Because he's a sociopath. Well, he is a sociopath, obviously. <laughs> and they all are to different degrees, but... I mean, I've, I've played, I've played a lot more of the game since last week. And, and I think I'm, I mean, this is always tricky with rockstar games because they often have false climaxes, but, uh, the, I think I'm at the end. I think I'm at the tail end of the game and I, I've really tried in the 15, 20 plus hours that I put in since last week to think about what Jeff said and kind of contextualize the game for myself in this, in this, in this way. And I don't know. I'm, I'm having more and more trouble discerning, taking away anything from this experience of, of being with these guys for that amount of time. And, and, and I've, I've, that's a problem. But here's the thing is you want to take away something from it. Well, but why is that, that a I don't think that's a problem. I think as, as an analyzer of media, like everybody on this panel is, we always play things because it's part of our job and we also need to like be able to talk about these things relevantly with each other. So I think maybe Jeff's perspective is similar to mine and being like, I want to understand why other people find this so meaningful because I feel like I'm supposed to. And I, if it was up to me, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't even be playing this game. But really? I'm, yeah, I'm. I'm Why is that? Because I'm personally just not a huge fan of the Grand Theft Auto series at, as a whole. The only okay. one, the only one that I ever really liked was Vice City, and that's just because I have a love affair with the '80s. Well, I grew up in the '80s, so I'm, I um, still love Vice City. Trust me. And um, but right there. all of the other ones, I never really gravitated to. I played a couple hours of, didn't really get into it, and so far I've been enjoying myself with Grand Theft Auto. But I can see all of the points that. Carolyn made in her review as a woman like it's sometimes it's a really tough pill to swallow playing that game like literally there's like things that keep coming up that I'm like fucking a man like why do I just have to like well I would never choose to play this game yeah I mean that's that's powerful I mean that's that's a very strong statement I think that's really interesting to hear from you as well because I was kind of curious you know because you know you have a reputation of being somewhat of a tough girl 
So mm-hmm. I was wondering whether, you know, you'd just come in here and be, oh, I love it. It's cool. I just go blow shit up or, or if it would get to you. And, and the fact that it gets to you is a problem. It's, it's or not a problem. It is it is a a uh, element of the game's design that clearly has attracted a lot of attention and clearly has a broad ranging impact, especially on women. And it's it's a dichotomy for me because do I have fun, you know, going on races and you know enjoying the ragdoll physics? I like careen my car off of a cliff and you know like you go on some of these crazy missions, like when you're on a jet ski and you have these epic crashes in the water and things like that. Yeah, those are fun. Like the tech behind Grand Theft Auto is really amazing and I can appreciate that for what it is. But from my perspective, there's just so many things in the game that I just find so degrading and insulting that it's hard for me to just be like, oh, it's just a game. Let me just overlook the fact that there are no meaningful women and that there's so many repeatedly degradatory things that are said about women and women characters, other female characters in the game. It's just like, it's really hard for me to just sit back and go, oh, haha, who cares? It's a fun game. But I'm holding out hope that GTA Online will have a really awesome offering, especially since there's so much customization with your character and you're not tied to this narrative story, this satire, which I don't believe is well done. I think the satire in GTA 5 is kind of lame, to be quite honest. Cause not, See, I really don't think it was even said to be satire. I think it literally is. If it's is- not satire, then what is it? It is as simple on as it appears to be on the face of it. It is three fucked up dudes who are criminals that have their own trials and tribulations trying to figure out how to make the way where they are in their point but in life in But the it's city. not just those three guys. I mean, one of the things that immediately stood out to me was one of the first missions. Um, I mean, I guess this could be considered spoilery, too. Is like the first, one of the very first missions early in the game, you go to Life Invader's office, the Facebook ripoff, whatever, and you have a mission, and then there's an outcome at the end of the mission, which I won't say, that I had a really big problem with because you as a character don't have a choice in how the mission ends. You don't get to choose whether you want that end of the mission or not. And then throughout the rest of the game, they're pushing the iFruit shit on you all the time. It's constant. Like, hey, go to go. You can train chop and iFruit. Oh, hey, if you do iFruit, you can do this. It's like almost every five minutes a notification comes up. And I'm like, so what am, so am I supposed and is not, to be is using not social that media? A perception you... of the way people have the world of the cult of Apple. Well, I think right there you just admitted that the game is satire. I mean, it's it that's satirizing these all these various entities in and the what i'm saying culture. is I, I what i'm saying and is that's that why i'm confused about it i think that they have those elements but i don't think that they set out with this goal of being a grandiose satire i think uh, on a on a high level i think they sent out with it with a hey we're gonna make a story of these three characters and how messed up the world is and how messed up their lives are and how they interact with each other and so the fact that they have you know the eye fruit as this theme across the across the game is just reflection of them taking something out of the current world and making it hyper-realized. It, the thing, though, is that ev- at every turn, in every mission, nearly every mission, somebody is pontificating about something and and there are these themes that are undeniable. There are these – and the problem is it's about everything. It's not about one thing or a few things. It's It's unfocused. It's scattershot. It's – you know, I finally got to the um, torture mission that we were talking about last week. and I haven't gotten to that yet. The, the thing about it is after that, you're driving in the car and Trevor is 
lecturing me about the thing that just happened. Like it, 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 the game isn't confident enough to let me take away from it. The things that I think Jeff was talking about last week, it has to shove them down my throat. Uh, and, and, and I think the game is like that all the time. I mean, I, I, a line that stuck in my head this week when I was playing it is Trevor says to Michael, um, sarcasm is, is the, something like the bane of our age or something like that. And he says, you know, and it's like, this is, this is what the game is. The game is sarcastic about everything. It's just a cynical. It's 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 poking at everything and and, and to the expense of, expense of anything. It doesn't do anything particularly well in that regard, and so it just feels like noise to me. Well, I may well be personality bankrupt then. No, I don't because... think that's that's not. I, I think that's unfortunate that people when I or others criticize the game in these, in this way. It, it's not saying anything about you. I'm having a blast playing it. I'm still playing it. There are, there are missions that are so incredibly inventive and fun. And the fact that you go, you know, you're on one type of vehicle and you have to crash it into another type of vehicle and then fall out of that vehicle and land in a third type of vehicle and drive out and hop into it. And, and that's all within one mission. And you're doing these incredibly exhilarating, fun things. It's fun. It's just this layer of story that is so heavy and heavy handed that I find completely uninteresting and, and, and really just kind of poorly executed. Yeah. Dichotomy. It's tough. Like, cause like, like Jeff said, like there's a lot about it that's really great and really fun and really awesome. And you know, the way that they wove the stories together, I think is interesting, but there's also like, I have a lot of problems with it too which is makes it tough a, a really tough gameplay experience like to go to kind of waver wildly between the two sides of like oh this is really cool and fun and oh wow i really hate this scene hmm. well i think that that's part of the identification that happens with the characters and how powerfully it's affecting you i mean obviously it's having a great deal of impact i think the i think that there's a lot of things that are done really brilliantly the three character system to me is fascinating that i mean really this is michael's story because the other two characters are, are hung on Michael. Yeah, yet at the is. same time, you don't feel as if they are really secondary when you're playing them. You, you have a really good, strong sense of, oh, I'm playing Franklin now. And I know who Franklin is. And they did a great job of identify, you know, creating this, this connection with those characters and, and creating your like feel of playing Franklin and feel of playing Trevor. While at the same time, it is Michael's story because it is all hung around, you know, the right. event timeline of his life. Right. And, but that central mystery, I think, uh, I, again, I haven't finished the game, but it has been explored a lot in the stuff that I've played is I find that mystery to be completely it's, uninspired and, and, and really like, why do I give a crap about any of that? You know, like you play that prologue mission and it's supposed to set up the entire rest of the game, but except that you don't give a shit because the game is telling you at every corner, don't give a shit about anything, dude. Don't give a shit. Uh, but let me just say this. And then it is kind of up to you how much you want to give a shit. I mean, it is well, kind of up sure. to you how much you get pulled into these characters' lives. I mean, for instance, I, I do you have a favorite character? <sighs> I mean, I think Franklin is the, the least yelly. The least yelling. <laughs> he yells them. the least. He's so my on. favorite so far, too. But even him, I mean, but let me just say this because. How about you, Andrea? Do you have a favorite character? Well, um, yeah, no, he, uh, Franklin's my favorite so far. Um, I mean, 
Michael comes and goes. He has moments, but I think that um, I think Trevor is is an interesting from a, like a creative standpoint as a character, but I just, I, I, I cannot like him. He's just dis- despicable as a character. I mean, that's the thing is Michael, Michael is that character. He is that character who you want to feel like has, some, like he keeps on seeming like he wants to have this redeeming quality but to him, glimmers, but, he, right? but he really doesn't have the redeeming quality to him. And he just doesn't even understand. He doesn't even understand how to reconcile within himself that desire to be a good guy. And, and it's like really painted very solidly when he's like, I'm back in the game because he's like sort of coasting along in this unhappy malaise, which is evidenced through like how he's going to his therapist and things he's talking about. And then he gets quote unquote back in the game and somehow being that letting letting go and giving into those temptations of being this violent and and tougher person seems to and in the moment make him feel better but yet at the same time he still seems to be pulling back and forth between it of like oh i still want to be a better person yeah we've seen those characters in plenty of shows but they're not he's not written deftly enough to make that resonate probably not and late in the game you go back to the therapy with your entire family and i thought oh well finally here we go this is going to be there's going to be something well it it doesn't. By the way, I bought the whole package. I want, I'm I'm all about the therapy. I think it's hilarious. I think but the therapy is hilarious. Even then, it's just shouting. It's just it, you go in there and they just shout, and then that's supposed to. And like on the drive back, they're like, "Well, that was cathartic." It's like, no, it wasn't. It, not for me, the player. It wasn't. Anyway, may I answer my question? Will you hold your thoughts so I can answer the same question that I asked sure, everyone else? Sure. So for me, I have I have the you know, and I really, really, really loved that the article you shared talked about that moment with Michael sitting by the pool, putting on the earbuds mm. and listening to Phil Collins, because it's not sitting by the pool for me. It's it's in the car, like driving down the PCH right as the sun's setting, just like complete Zen out on the game and not Zen in like some peaceful mode, but just like bliss out and like not even paying attention, just like, you know, just racing down the highway in a way that despite all of the things that Need for Speed and the rest of those sorts of games have ever tried to do, they haven't achieved in the same way. There's something about being in Grand Theft Auto, driving down the road, listening to the radio that is just like this super, you know, it's it's drive. You, you are in drive and maybe it's because of the hyper violence and the other things that you know are going on and, and the downtime from having been, you know, like, oh, I was just in this crazy gunfight. But now I'm just like, ah, oh, I'm going to like have that release. Maybe maybe that's the thing. But this is why I, I agree with Andrea that I th- I tr- feel like Grand Theft Auto Online is really where it's at. Could be. And with and, Franklin. And I- so let me finish. Because with Franklin, it's like a whole different thing. With Franklin, you get like this, like you get really weird, like does this guy want to be a baller? Who are these characters that they introduced at the beginning? You know, you sort of like this feeling that like, like he actually does maybe a better job of the Michael character in that. I, you know, I, I want to be a a good person, but I'm a bad guy. I don't know. I don't think any of them feel that way. And then Trevor, I I have, I have the most difficult time. I I have the most difficult time connecting with Trevor. Trevor. I just can't get past seeing is just a, a, a thin, uh, like, like a thin holster for a gun to put in the game so I could run around and do the most insane, stupidest stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think it, and that occasionally then hits me with some sort of like pseudo, uh, pseudo, uh, philosophy about, you know, society. Yeah. To Mattis's point, it, it, he is the, the, the player character at the player characters, most, uh, chaotic. Yeah. He is the person that gets on the top of the tower and shoots missiles into the crowd. But I so but do you see what I'm saying? Like I like how the I've gotten these different 
connections and feels with them. Yeah. The, the, Thanks. So you were saying. So, uh, well, two things. First of all, uh, I think there's a there's a real possibility that GTA mirrors Call of Duty in the sense that in a few years, we're talking about only multiplayer. Hmm. And I think I, I I truly think that that is a real potential for this game. That the multiplayer could be so good and so compelling and so much more fun. That, but I don't know. And the other thing I want to say is mechanically, this is, and I think as a game on the on the whole, this is by far my favorite GTA. Oh, undoubtedly, the driving it is okay. so much better that they it, it still has a lot of the things I hate about GTA. It still has the fact that I'm ninety. Five percent of the time, staring at that stupid fucking mini map instead of my, having my eyes on the road. And I would say a, f- a fair eighty percent of the crashes I get in are because I was looking at the mini map instead of the Bro, road. Just open your map, look at the route, and then memorize it. Oh, oh, okay. I'll just memorize the route. But I mean, you can you can do that. It would be like, okay, I'm going to go down here, X far, and then a right, and then a left, and then I'll look at my map. Well, again. Except, unless I'm chasing some dude, and I got to look at that little red dot and figure out which direction it went. I don't know. There's B button. Right. No, actually, I really like that addition. That's cool. The B button's pretty hot. Yeah. But the dri- the driving is amazing. So I think this really stood out. Like, and first the shooting. Of all, the detail, the attention to detail throughout the game, which we talked about last week, is amazing. But what I thought was cool about the driving is that while the driving is still not great because it still has points where you're like really put off by it, yeah. the fact that they were committed enough to individual, you can tell every car's unique characteristics. From driving it. A front wheel drive car, you can immediately tell it's a front wheel drive car. A lightweight front wheel drive car, you can immediately tell it's a lightweight front wheel drive car. A high performance sports car, all of them even feel different. You know, there's one that looks like a vet and it has, you know, a great straight line speed and it sits down when you go on a line, but when you try to put in a turn, it doesn't turn well. Versus, you know, one of the Italian looking ones, which will carve a corner really well, but they're a little squirrely when you get them in a straight line because they're a little bit lighter and a little more flighty. All of them and everything in between, trucks, Vans, station wagons, SUVs, planes and helicopters. Everything has a unique feel to it. And it's all done to where it communicates to you as a player really well. And you can, it's very, that's very immersive. It's very Mm -hmm. cool. Well, it just speaks to the attention to detail on every level of the game. There isn't anything that is not hyper detailed. And that is just a fun place to be inside. The 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 world itself is for me the most compelling part of this game, which is why I think GTA Definitely. Online could be the could be the really killer app part of it. But, you know, I I I yearn for I think this outstrips any virtual world that's ever been created before. I mean, this is it makes Skyrim look like, you know, don't it's, say it, Jeff. I, it's true. It's just the the density, the variety, the fact that I know neighborhoods just by looking at them. The yeah, but that's that's a ex- experience unique to people who've lived here. No, 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 no. You know? I, no, I, I don't agree with that. I think I, I mean I know neighborhoods in their relationship to L.A. Yes, but I but I mean even within the context of the game, I. I know when I'm in a poor neighborhood. I know when I'm in an affluent neighborhood. I know when I'm close to the beach because of the kinds of people and the kinds of architecture and the kinds of cars. I know when I'm in the mountain. I mean, there's, you know, wildlife. And, and I was in the, on the before I got here today, I was in a boat on the coast and a flock of birds was like low flying over the ocean like they really fucking do it's ridiculous it's unbelievable the level of detail in this game and i so want a like fantasy world to be made with this level of of immersion and and detail i mean i hope that's what witcher 3 is actually Hmm. but um Hmm. just the density of the world and the fact that like you know, you go by these all these interesting houses and you can hop the fence and go and look and there's like interesting stuff in their backyard and 
every single thing is thought through. It's like it is sort of level silly of design. The, the like you're in the middle of nowhere and some artist has done everything yeah. out to the nth degree and, yeah. and yet it's all set up. Yeah, it's yeah. Of- no, it's definitely a feat for sure. Like I understand exactly what you're talking about, about just randomly exploring certain neighborhoods. But I think Grand Theft Auto has always done that pretty well, really making each neighborhood unique to yeah. the kinds of people you see when you drive but I, through but I would the say they really up bad, it. but they've yeah. taken it oh, as they yeah. do well, a level up. I would hope that, you know, having five years to develop this game that it would, you know, it would be better than the last. But I agree. It's really well thought Jeff, out. Jeff, I, I respectfully agree with really you. Good. About all the intellectual discussion we have, and I still feel like a lot of that really resonates. Yet at the same time, I, I I'm having a ton of fun playing the game, and when I'm having a ton That's of fun fine. playing the game, Me too, I I do tend to think that that there is a that there is a line on my spectrum somewhere in there where it crosses from being a good critic and intellectually looking at what's happening and over intellectualizing the game. But I don't, I don't, and I, I was going to say this when Andrew brought it up too. I I don't. I'm not looking to be a critic. I'm not looking at for, me, for meaning because I want to because I need to come on this podcast and pontificate about it. I I'm just as an audience member. I need that. And yeah, I wasn't meaning. I was just meaning as a as a as a person looking at it. Yeah. Well, let me just say one other thing because I wanted to mention this uh, because Andrew was here and we were talking about sort of the female. Uh, one of the things that I um, occurred to me when I was driving around real Los Angeles, which by the way is a very surreal. After you've played. Hours don't, upon hours upon hours. Don't cut into oncoming traffic Dude, and try to blast through a light. I think, you know, people talk about gun games making you want to shoot. Nothing compared to the weird brain transformation that has after you've driven oh, around in in almost real Los Angeles. And then you're like, you're like oh, fuck it, I'll just cut over here in the oncoming traffic yeah. and race up through this light. Or no that, problem. Exactly. Or that looks like a jump that I might be able to. And I'm like, wait, no, fuck, I'm in the real world. Shit. Um. Anyway, but That's I was why GTA should never go to the Oculus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, another side note: I I really just wish there was a higher frame rate on this game and on less jaggies. I, I just want it on PC so bad. Anyway, but what I've seen in the real world, you know, you see these um, billboards all around LA of of the characters from the game as ads, mm-hmm. and I, I had this thought: like, you know what? A real accomplishment for Rockstar is you don't see any other video game franchise that has like multiple narrative human beings, just pictures of them. And you know, oh, that's Michael. Oh, that's Trevor. Oh, that's, you know, and I was like, that is a real accomplishment. You know, you can see maybe Master Chief or whatever, but that's not the same thing. And then I thought, well, what is the other billboard that you see? And it's that blonde bikini chick taking a selfie which is a the only female that's in any of the ads, and b not even a character in the game. Mm. It's not a character. It's just an idea but of it's the bo- game. It's Boogie Nights Roller Girl. But she's not in the game. I know, it's not I know, a thing. I know. It's, I was... it's just. It, it's so interesting that you have these very well defined characters as ad, like these are the guys, and what's the girl? Bikini chick, selfie taking, not an entity, no substance, nothing. Right. Well, that's Rockstar's thing. We don't give a shit about the women. Don't give them a voice. Don't give them a narrative. Don't give them a story arc. The very first female character you're introduced is the cheating wife. I mean, really? And then like the then the like bitchy daughter who's like on a boat with some porno guys. Like, 
I they, mean, were, they were respectable businessmen. It's, it's, I find her it's, voiceover. Acting I mean, it's to be it's just too. disappointing. And and like I gotten I've gotten so much feedback from people in my Twitter feed and on Facebook and uh, in my YouTube videos saying like, "Well, it's a game made for men. That's why they have male characters. Don't you know that already?" And I'm like, "That's such fucking bullshit." Yeah, it's not. I mean, that's like the most bullshitty thing people can say to me. Like, that's your argument as to why all the char- female characters in that's the game why. suck. That's why. That's why I cookie only, click is why, made for cookies because the only characters in the game are cookies. That's why I only use bathrooms that are for colored people, and that's. I mean, this is such an awful argument. My God. Yeah. yeah it's just really good. Fellas, just made for men. Sorry. <laughs> Actually, there's but, a compelling but, female character. But in the game. is it pH balanced for a woman? Um, uh, Madrasso's wife is kind of an interesting character, but she's very late in the game, and I won't spoil anything. All right. No more spoilers. I have a suspicion we may come back to even more. you think we'll come back to it anymore? I don't know. I'm only about a third of the way into the game. And I'm, I'm really going to finish it. it this week for sure. And so, you know. Well, you me. have to talk about online next week. Oh, Word yeah. Up. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about online. Definitely talk about online. All right. How about take a break? Uh, Andrew has bad, been over in Tokyo where they had Tokyo Game Show. I'm sure he can tell us a lot of uh, interesting perspectives. And we at least need to know what his favorite meal was, if, even if the. You know. oh, that's going to be hard to narrow down, really. Yeah, well, you've got to uh, break. you work on it, dude. Come on. Figure I, it out. I'm just going to think about cookies while I click on this. <laughs> <laughs> we can confirm. It'll be right back. Psst. Hey, you. Yeah, you listening to this. You want to play all the latest video games? Well, try Gamefly.com, the number one video game rental service. Number one! Right now, you can sign up for just $5.95. That's $5.95. Their lowest price ever. Gamefly has over 8,000 titles, including the hottest new releases like DMC Devil May Cry, The Walking Dead, and Hitman Absolution. Here's how easy it is. Just sign up, select your games, and Gamefly will ship them directly to your door. You can keep the games as long as you want, and there are no late fees, and you can cancel at any time. Once you're done playing a game, send it back, and Gamefly will send you the next available game on your list. Now you can also play hundreds of PC games with Gamefly's new unlimited PC play, free for members. Gamefly also saves you money by letting you try your favorite games before buying them. If you really like the game you're playing, simply click Keep It on the Gamefly website, and it's yours at a deeply discounted price. It's just $5.95 to start! Did I mention that's their lowest price ever? Simply sign up, pick your games, and Gamefly will rush them to your door. Go to Gamefly.com, that's G-A-M-E-F-L-Y.com, and sign up today. All right, ready to come back. Andrew, we sort of, uh, Jeff and I sort of kind of got sidetracked there. Did you have any other thoughts, like, What any more follow-up on Grand Theft Auto from your perspective, either as a woman or just in general, like what you, how you're liking it, not liking it? Since you wouldn't play it, I think that's really interesting that you wouldn't play it, choose to play it otherwise. Um, I mean, I think that all of everything that's been written about, you know, Carolyn's review that she put out because there was so much chatter over her review, I think sums up my feelings is that I think it's a really well-designed, well-built game. There are some really fantastic parts of it that I just can't deny, but there's just some other parts of it that are just so disturbing that I can't overlook them. So what's the chance you stick with it for the 45, 50 hours to finish it? I think that depends on how deep I get into Trevor's storyline because I think I haven't gotten to his part of the campaign yet. And oh, I, you're still early then. Yeah, yeah you're still really I'm still early pretty then. early on. Um, I think that that will probably be the deciding factor for me. 
Well, there's, I found I found that once I got a little further in past that and really started hitting all of the side mission things, which I think are way better integrated than I remember them being in prior ones, and the and the random Red Dead sort of things that happen. Yeah, those those stop. That's the only time in the game you get to do anything nice. Can, I always return the lady's purse. You, you don't. You don't always have to do something nice. Well, you, you don't, can, but you have the opportunity. You, I've you stolen can do some it really and kept crazy, it. Um, crazy I, shit too. Here's the the party thing I want to say about about. GTA is that it's one of those games that it's like you it's this constant struggle between wanting to do the good thing and wanting to do the bad thing and I think other people have written about how we're in a different world today in 2013 than we were when even when GTA 4 came out because I feel differently now like going on a rampage on a street after you know after Boston and Virginia Tech and Newtown and now DC like it's different now. You have to stop listing them, or else our show will be too long. Well, it's it, <laughs> there's, there's enough to list. It's that that's will what make so, the show go long. That's what's so disturbing about GTA now versus before. That before, like we were, the world was a different place than we are today. I think that the world is a lot scarier place, and I have grown up a little bit more than before. I think you're just more cognizant of it because as someone who's very old, someone who's older and has these things have been happening forever in a day. And I'm I not saying that they didn't happen before because I know people will, one thing will that comment is on that right away. But one thing that is different is that the connected and citizen journalism world of today means that we're much more in tune with and see many, many more images of the things that happen. You know, whereas you know, where you know, things happen like in Waco or whatever. There just there wasn't there wasn't fifty people standing around with their cell phone cameras immediately uploading YouTube videos and we just didn't have the same it wasn't in our consciousness the same way that these that these events are now. Yeah, I I would agree with all that, but I I will repeat again from last week that that isn't even remotely my problem with okay. with the game. I I, I that I that is not We're my letting issue. Andrea but, talk now. No, I know. I'm just <laughs> no, and I know that a lot of people don't have issue with that at all. Like a lot of people, that that makes no difference to them. But for me, games are about um, escapism and about going into a place to get away from the problems that I face in my day to day life. And I don't find it enjoyable to escape into this really hyper violent world. Wait till you meet Trevor. Wait till the very. <laughs> wait till the scene when you meet Trevor. Just the very mm-hmm. scene when you meet Trevor is going to. I, I want. I want you to tell me what you. I want you to call me after you hit that scene. Okay, I will. But that's that's how I feel about it. That, that and that's why GTA has never really been a franchise that I've gravitated towards because there's so many amazing games out there today. Like. Like thousands and thousands cookie of clicker. great games. Well, <laughs> cookie clicker is something you do in the background while you're doing other stuff. But if your hand is I just, too like, if not I ha- tired, if I'm going to sink like 50 hours or 100 hours into a game, I want it to be a really fun, amazing, immersive experience where I don't constantly feel like I'm a bad person or I'm hanging out with bad people. And that's why I just go drive so the amazing. tow truck for a while. Well, <laughs> just and I, I don't want to launch off on a whole other thing. But just to play devil's advocate to that particular sentence is you do awful, horrible things in almost every video game. And the one video game that actually makes you feel it, some would argue that that's a success. And the fact that in Grand Theft Auto, you go, you kind of realize how awful these things are. is kind of Jeff Mattis's uh, argument from last week. And it has some merit to it when you know i could pick out 
a thousand video games that you love where you do you're you know a psychopathic mass murderer and it, it doesn't bother you because it's all the fun and games well right i mean and a lot of the games that i love are set in fantasy worlds so if i'm playing halo and i'm killing you know hundreds of members of the covenant i don't feel bad about it because they're aliens and they're not real people whereas grand theft auto when you run over a prostitute who's trying to make a, a, a living and then you, you know she's a girl who's dead on the street she's just trying to make a living yo <laughs> but you do love assassin's creed you do I love do. call of duty in both of those games, I did you see those Call shoes she had on? Those were the crime. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh my god! No, but you make you make a valid point. Uh, Assassin's Creed is a period piece, though. Those people don't exist anymore. <laughs> they were going to die anyway. Exactly. Time they're took already, them. They're also, dead. Assassin's You're Creed. You're in the Animus. They don't yeah, exist. Assassin's Creed takes place in a virtual world, not like Grand Theft Auto Five. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you make a you make a point, Jeff. But Garnet asked how I felt about it, and that's how I feel yeah, about that's it. That's what I want to know. Yeah. All right, Andrew, how many thousands of games did you see while you were in uh, Tokyo at the Tokyo Game Show? Not that many. Um, uh, I, I would say Tokyo Game Show is still pretty much a bust. Uh, I thought Still. That, I, I mean, thought, I, I don't think it's still. It seems to be worsening. Wired, Wired's report was very disheartening. I mean, I thought... I, have, I didn't attend for the past three years because things have really slowed down in the sort of AAA Japanese game development space. And the, ga- the big games that Japan really does push out, they do a pretty good job of promoting uh, in the States before Tokyo Game Show, but there, are, there aren't really any big surprises. I remember the last like really big TGS, they had a brand new Last Guardian trailer, and they, we were like, oh my god, it still exists. Never heard of that you game. Know? I've never heard of that game. Uh, Don't know what you're talking about. Uh, well, neither does Sony. So, uh, <laughs> but, but this year, I thought, oh, well, with the new generation of consoles coming up, uh, there's going to be some exciting announcements. You I know, really gonna, thought that as well. Uh, you know, we're going to we're gonna see new stuff, especially on PS4 from, like, Japanese developers that Sony's been contacting. But no, none of that happened. Uh, it was really just Japanese localized builds of games that I've already seen before, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it certainly makes it less exciting and... And so for me, TGS feels more like a consumer show at this point instead of a instead of a trade show where you go there for exciting announcements. It, it, it's great being surrounded by like thousands of people that are eager to get their hands on upcoming games. Uh, you know, it's very much like PAX is exciting for that. You know, you might not you might not be playing like the newest build of something or an un- unannounced game, but it's still fun to be there. Uh, but that's not what Tokyo Game Show used to be. But that is what it is becoming. So that that that's a little disheartening. Um, that being said, the there there were some stuff. Uh, there was some stuff that I saw. I think uh, uh, Xbox actually had a really great showing, hmm. uh, which is I guess sort of ironic considering it's Japan. I, I people know that like I I think uh, you know we've been sort of down on Xbox One because its policies and. And, and whatnot, but they made a really good argument that TGS being like, hey, look at our games, and their games look terrific. Uh, it's really, I think a good example is Dead Rising 3, which had a really poor showing at at E3, I would say. The frame rate was not that great, and the gritty tone really sort of turned off a lot of longtime fans, uh, and the forced smart class integration just felt... Uh, felt like a marketing bullet point and not a meaningful addition to gameplay. Uh, but but the latest build of it, seeing it at Tokyo Game Show, which they, actually they couldn't have on the show floor because of uh, it, it would be too violent for Japan. So it would be sent, it, like unless they censor it somehow or whatever. Uh, they're they're going to have to figure out ways around that. But 
But the the up the latest building game, you know, super solid. Uh, apparently the the GPU and CPU boost that they did on Xbox One really helped make that game a bit more stable than uh than it was previously. And it it had that silly tone that I was looking for. May, making these like really wacky combination items. Actually, let me let me bring up my notes here uh to to like give you a few examples of the things that you can make. So so you uh there's the freedom bear, which is just giant teddy bear. You combine that with a wheelchair, uh it becomes pushy bear. Uh and then so you can like roll up you know, just like knock zombies over with this giant bear on a wheelchair. And then <laughs> then you add a boombox to it and then it turns into the deco decoy bear. So you can actually like roll it and then it'll make hmm. sound and attract zombies to it. Then you can also attach explosives to it, and then it turns into the grizzly bear, so that ah. it rolls along, attracts zombies, and it explodes. Um you can have um a scythe and a katana to make a grim reaper. Then you add a skull max to it, and then it turns into a death uh, death mask reaper, which shoots skull projectiles. Uh, and then you add gasoline to that, and then th- th- that turns into an explosive launcher. Uh, so there, it, it's it's amazing seeing these combinations. You can even make combination vehicles. Hmm. So um, let's say you have a. You know, you find like a truck out there. You can actually just combine it with like a motorcycle next to it. <laughs> it, it what? doesn't. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But that that's like the brilliance of of Dead Rising, right? You're so just now you like, have a truck with a motorcycle sidecar. Yeah, essentially. Uh, or you know, or you can combine different weapons into the car so that you know, player <laughs> one can be like driving while player two is like controlling a turret, or or player mm. one is like open, opening up the like the the slicing like side thing blades on the side of the car. Um, I mean, there's just all sorts of crazy things you can like pick up. Uh, you can make a dragon punch weapon, which lets you do a shoryu, uh, shoryuken. Oh, nice! Uh, on zombies, so th- this is all super awesome. Uh, and I, I sort of wish they they showed that at E3, but whatever. That that's the game that it is now, yeah. and and I I'm glad to see it it go back in that direction. And having so many zombies rendered on screen is really impressive. Hmm. So it really does feel like a next gen game. So Dead Rising Three. Super impressive. Uh, I'm really stunned that that game came around. When Andrew came back and started talking about it, I was like, really? Because I remember seeing it at E3 and going, I thought it had potential at E3. Well, well, the producers admitted that their E3 build was broken. It was rough. They they said that to me when I spoke to them at Comic-Con, and I was just like, why wouldn't you guys fix it? Like, what? Easier said than done. Of course. Or, you know, if if you're like, well, the build isn't running that still, don't show it at E3. Just announce it with, like, the logo. Or a nice CGI trailer. Yeah, and then then show it off when it's a bit more stable. But regardless, you know, Microsoft and marketing – this generation, they haven't been they haven't been doing a great job at that. So. I'm, I'm so on the fence on on that one as far as whether I'm going to pick it up at launch or not. I I'm uh, well, t- it, very tempted. Well, it certainly looks like it's ready to go. Yeah. So I I I'm completely floored by that. Uh, another game that I'm really looking forward to is this game called D4, which stands for uh, Dark Dreams Don't Die. It's from um, the director of Deadly Premonition. So it's this mm. really wacky game. Um, and I, I already love it. Yeah, no. If if you liked Deadly Premonition, this is like more of the same, but it uses Connect and <laughs> yeah, Connect. So one and thing Deadly Premonition needed. I thought you didn't like Deadly Premonition. I was being oh, ironic. I was like, okay, I was like, you sounded very sincere there. <laughs> Acting uh, <laughs> genius. Uh, and um, and it's it's it, it's it makes a really compelling argument for Connect. It. I, 
because that's that's really the connect game that I've always wanted. I don't <laughs> I don't because it, it it has that like Nintendo feel that like silliness that that yeah. sort of you need that abstraction and I feel like Connect never really went for that. A lot of designers tried to like focus on realism and well, how does and, it use Connect? So the so the premise is that um uh your detective whose wife uh, was murdered and because of her murder you get this magical ability to go back in time. Uh, and so you're gonna and try. You have to, to dance, and <laughs> <laughs> sort of actually. Uh, and so you're gonna try to uh, retroactively solve your wife's murder, pretty much. Um, which should be easy. You just go back in time and be like, uh, "That guy did it." Uh, <laughs> actually, but, it would be proactively. I, I think. Uh, but you're solving her murder before she's murdered because uh, you're back in time. I think it's an alternate timeline, uh. and I, I, I mean they haven't really made it clear. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Okay, it doesn't matter. Uh, and so it's an adventure game where um, you go through the environment. Uh, like it's a point and click uh, adventure where you use connect, uh, just like use your hand to actually point and, uh, then... and to point and click. Actually, so the great thing about uh, the new connect is that because it can read your fingers instead of like holding your hand over something to select it, which was how you did it on uh, the original mm-hmm. 360 connect. You just close your hand, so you like have you wave your hand open palmed. And then when you want to select something, you just close your hand and it'll recognize that. Oh, so cool. it's it's a lot faster. So to you don't do have that. to wait for that little circle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that that that's like so inefficient. But yeah. but so now like that's like oh wow immediately that's like a better experience. And so you're just you're walking around. And so uh, in the level that they showed, you stumble into this um, a stewardess. Uh, I forget what the PC term for that is. Uh, flight, flight attendant. Flight attendant. There we go. Uh, apparently, I'm from the 70s. Uh, <laughs> Who knew? And um, and, and she's so, a she's a jive honky, <laughs> and she's she's very attractive. Not an airplane. <laughs> she, she she's she's attractive, and uh, immediately you have like three dialogue options at the bottom. And using connect, you have to say one of them like before oh, the cool. time runs out. That's cool. So it's like it's either like sorry or like hey, you know how you doing? And like <laughs> but like it, it the choices are so silly, but like you're having to actually use your voice to say it like makes it feel that much more. <laughs> wacky like how it, you doing yeah like instead of instead of it being a button press the, it, it it adds so much value just being able to use your voice um eventually you you encounter this drug dealer and you get into a fight on the plane and so in order to uh, do the, the fight sequence sort of acts like heavy rain where you have to like move your body in certain ways so like i'm actually kind of digging on this yeah idea. yeah yeah so like you know like in order to block you might have to like lift your hands up uh in time uh like arrows appear on the screen you have yeah. to like do it in time uh and if you if you mess up you'll like lose health and then the battle like the fight will like switch a little uh and then and are then, you able to play this game sitting down and yeah you're it's it's entirely while you're sitting down okay um and then uh at, at they'll just be like random things where it's like uh, and now make uh, a baseball bat motion. It's like, what am I doing? And like, it's like swing. And then he picks up like a random object on the floor and he swings. And and and, and it, the game keeps on making you do these like really wacky things. And and they get even wackier when when they're portrayed on the screen. That it feel it it's really empowering. And and once again, it has that that deadly premonition like cork charm yeah. uh, to it. Uh, so yeah, it 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 totally sold me. It's it. it it's the connect game that I'm most looking forward to, which is uh, not a high bar. But... It's not a very, it's not a very high bar. But hey, if you're getting an Xbox One, you're you have a connect. You got it. You you yeah. you have no choice. All right. Can uh, I can I just quick sidebar just because you you brought this up? I, I saw a really funny tweet. I wish I could tell you who I could credit it to, but I can't remember. Some guy wrote, "I I asked Siri. Uh, I said to Siri, 
uh, what's the, uh, is it going to rain today? Uh, surely it won't rain today. And Siri said, it might rain today. Don't, and don't call me Shirley. <laughs> I must have left my phone in airplane mode. Oh, oh even better. Epic, right? <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious. amazing. You know what? Funny jokes don't make up for Siri's lack of ability to really answer anything. <laughs> yeah, right. Let me search the web for that. You're useless. Yeah. Anyway, I, that's side, Google side now. Now. It just Google made me way better. Yeah, I, I use Google now on my iPhone. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that I think Microsoft had a really great uh, presentation. Just really terrific. And uh, I got to see the Xbox One Dash. Uh, super clean. I mean, it, it's... It's sort of weird seeing it and being like, where are the advertisements? Where did you put all the advertisements? <laughs> How will I know what to not download? Yeah. <laughs> don't you think the advertisements will be back as soon as they're like in live environment? Uh, I don't, I mean, I, I don't know exactly where they would put, they would probably put it in the marketplace, which is fine. That's an appropriate place to put it. But when you're, uh, so the big thing about Xbox One is that the dashboard is the same when you hit the home button. Uh, the little jewel on the controller. There's no more blade. There's no blade. There's no more blade. Sorry, uh, so, sitting back. So the dashboard has to be clean because, you know, you don't have that, like, minimized inter- interface anymore. Um, Which always seemed odd to me that it was bifurcated like that. It, it seems strange. Like, I'm in this one interface, but to do certain things, I need to go to this other weird interface. I just like you said bifurcated. Well, I try. <laughs> Here's the thing. You know, I was just thinking about this. Uh, yesterday, no, day before yesterday. Anyway, I was thinking about it on Tuesday or Wednesday. It doesn't matter. It doesn't you matter. were thinking about no, it. No, no, no. Let's figure out what day you were thinking so about this. So many missed opportunities, and yet there's there's so much noise on the Xbox Live dashboard, and yet so much missed opportunity. And it's just, it's like it is. It's just noise. It doesn't give me anything I want to know. Yeah. It doesn't present to me information that's meaningful. And yet there's just this cluster junk of crap up in front of my face. Case in point, this last week, the new free to play. Uh, action RPG from the from the studio that made um, Toy Soldiers came out, and the name of it just escaped my mind. Do you have that handy, Andrew? You know what I'm talking about? The uh, mark of something. I, I mean, I I know what you're talking about, but Microsoft did a terrible job of uh, letting anyone know that it exists. It's a weird name, right? It's like it's a, Mark of the Cree, yeah, but it's not something. Mark of the Cree. It's Mark of the Her or Har or something. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, this game comes out, right? And and this this studio. Wait, no, no, sorry. Ascend Hand of Cool. Yeah, I knew how that cuss sounded. <laughs> Send a hand of cool. Yeah, so there you go. But it's from it's from the dev team that made uh, the Toy Soldiers games, which were great. Had mm-hmm. a ton of fun with those. It's free to play. It's an action RPG, and but and it and is your digital release this week. And yet, I open up. But my you know ex- what? Star Trek is available for download. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then even when I go to the games blade, there's some other bullshit being advertised. It's like, wait, you just put out a new game today on your digital service. And there's nowhere that you're even showing, hey, hey, Garnet, here's what's new today on the service. It's a free game. Would you like to try it out? No, you don't get any of that. What, what the hell? Who thinks that that's a good idea? Who thinks that, you know, here's I'm going to run my service and my, and my store. There's something new out today. It's free. You might like it. I'm not going to tell you about it. Yes, yeah, unfortunate. It's, it's unfortunate. I'm sorry hopefully, to rant like that. Changed. It's just no. dumb. It's well, just no, that and that's why I was like so <laughs> pleasantly surprised to see Xbox. Uh, so I think the great thing about the Xbox One Dash is that that you don't have that blade thing where you have to like switch through multiple pages. So you don't have your apps page. You don't have your music page. You don't, yeah. uh, It's just, you have your home screen. uh, There's one giant box in the middle uh, where 
you know, let's say you suspended a game. So, you know, you're playing Halo and you, you hit the guide button, it'll suspend. And if you want to go back into that game, you just hit that big giant button. Uh, cool. And then uh, below that are were you, four. Were you controlling it with a controller or with your hand? Uh, it was hands off. It was with a controller. Oh. Uh, so it looks like you can use Connect, uh, but the preferred sure method uh, would be controller. And then Connect would be mostly for voice commands. Hmm. Uh, so like you Xbox know, Bing. Yeah, essentially. Or, you know, Xbox Play uh, Call of Duty, something like right. that. Um, and then below that are four icons, which represent the four. Uh, apps that you used previously so you know let's say before you launched call of duty you were watching netflix right. uh, and you know you went to your friends so like a hot bar. yeah and that's uh, good I, I always use the recently yeah know, on, current on the current and uh dashboard. and if it fits into memory it'll it'll actually still be suspended so let's say you were you were like browsing your achievements and then you want to like go right back into it it'll it, it won't like close the app it'll mm. so it actually works very similarly to vita uh in that regard where you That's can cool. uh so right. vita uh for people that aren't familiar you, you have like if you launch a game you can still have a few uh applications running on top of that they don't give you a clear indication of how much ram you have left uh mm. and uh, xbox seems similar in that regard where <laughs> certain apps will take more but on Vita, let's say you know you you have a game, you suspend it, and you like jump into Twitter. You can jump back into the game; it's fine, and then you can jump back out into like YouTube. And for the most part, none of those extra apps will ever close. But if you start using too much, then games will start. The apps will just like sort of close in the background. Yeah. Uh, and so Xbox One works similarly, <clears throat> and it and it was I don't know from what I saw, it was really stable. Just you know, pausing a game, jumping into like. The video studio where you can make clips and then jumping back into the game. Yeah. Uh, it, there was there wasn't any lag, which was really cool. I thought. Um, and so yeah, just just the functionality of that. That's like when you hit the guide button, like just that's a much better experience right there. Like that, I probably want to resume my game easily. That that's that's yeah. a plus. I want to go to my recently used apps because let's be honest, when I'm on Xbox, like I'm not really going through like a huge back catalog to like. To do things, really, right. I'm usually focusing on one or two games and using like a few apps, and that's it. And then right. if I need to, I'll I'll look for other stuff. And then if you like, just talk, just move the cursor to the right a bit, you'll just see the marketplace. It's just the four boxes: one that represents games, one that represents. So, are you still on the same? Are you still on the same home screen? Or yeah, are you're you sliding this, to a new screen. Uh, it's it's the Windows 8 look, so it's okay. Uh, not it's so boxes just kind of keep moving over to the yeah. side there's not there's not a screen and then a move and then a screen and then yeah. a move it's just sort of boxes keep moving to the yeah. tiles dude not boxes. Oh, sorry tiles tiles and tiles. so and so uh just having having one place for the marketplace clearly that's where they're gonna put all the advertising but it just it looks super clean it's like hey you want to buy a movie just go into the movies uh app and then i'm sure you'll be inundated well, that'd be a nice improvement of, uh and then on the yeah. left you on the left you have all your pins uh so it's Super easy, and it's it's like, why didn't you think of this sooner for Xbox 360? Hmm. Uh, but regardless of the cynicism, I was really impressed by Xbox. Uh, I know we're short on time, so I want to. Uh, you got all the time in where we got another sub. We got a whole other section coming. Well, up. then we'll just we'll just save some more TGS talk. Uh, I'm, we'll talk about non Xbox stuff. We'll talk Sony about Japanese stuff? things. We'll talk about Sony stuff. How yeah. about food? And we'll talk about Sony and food. How about that? <laughs> all right, Sony and food. When we can confirm, continues.
All right, if you're curious what that was, a little something different for you. John, who uh, is the uh, well, runs the studio here for us at Atlantis Group, that's his band. That's awesome. It's called Power Tribe. That track was Excursion Number 5. That's their new album, by the way. They have a new album. It's on iTunes, and it's pretty much, you know, look, this is like Power what it does, does what it says on the tin. This is straight ahead, guitar-driven rock and roll. Mostly instrumental stuff. The uh, name of the disc or whatever you... What do you call these things now anymore? Tracks. No, like a, like a compilation. Album. It's not an album. Okay, like, I think the album is really funny. Mixtape. <laughs> the the mixtape mix from the band. Anyway, yeah, the album is called Surfing the Shark. So that's Power Tribe, uh, Surfing the Shark on iTunes now if you would like to go get that. I like Support that. Support uh, these guys. They're awesome. Have you, have you heard that, that line on the radio in, in GTA yet where the guy's like, music from a time when... People on the radio knew how to play the guitar. <laughs> oh, that, was, that was funny. I switch around on the music a lot. I, didn't, I just I, leave it whatever it's set at. Half the time I'm listening to like, you know, see, Spanish is, language. See, it's like, it's, it's so, I think that's the other thing where, that's different about what we're talking about Grand Theft Auto is how you play it and how you experience it. Like for me, a big part of it is like the right music for the right car with the yeah. right player at the right place. I, I, I love when those moments happen, but I, I leave them to serendipity. Oh, yeah. That was not that good a movie. <laughs> all right i leave them to sliding doors all right so uh andrew let's see we also had a couple of woogie Booth had a uh, a question for you in the show thread what Wanted... name was that woogie Booth. woogie Booth. it's one of our it was one of our regular commenters woogie Booth. woogie Booth stole that picnic basket i <laughs> <laughs> uh, wanted to hear from you about the new gravity game that was announced they announced it gravity but Rush th- there isn't really much else to say <laughs> They and are making they are making a new gravity game. <laughs> so there wasn't much to say there. And uh, what you thought about Vita TV? Okay, so Vita TV. Wow, I had no idea how small that thing was. Like, right? It, it's uh, like a hockey puck. It, it that that I it mean, literally I, fits in your pocket. It it's it's almost like Chromecast level of stupid. It's like <laughs> it at, at that. At, why? Why does it even need to be that small? Because <laughs> it can be. Why not? Were you, were you on the episode when I was complaining? A stupid complaint, but were you, but about uh, about how like if you connect it via yeah. HDMI, like it'll it'll lift it up, <laughs> yeah. because, because of the tensile strength of the yeah, yeah. No, that that that's totally you're gonna it have me. you're gonna have to like stack books on top of the Vita TV to like hold it down. Yeah. It, Wait, it'll just be levitating in the air based Wait. on the power of the cord. They, I, I I don't know. I feel like they could just. Make make the box bigger, just arbitrarily. I don't know. I, I, I think though that it's really promising the things that they've announced for it, especially now that you know they've come forward and said what they're going to do with Gaikai, and the idea that you can buy this thing for such a, I mean, cheap price and so I, I think stream from you know PlayStation Store. I think uh, quite possibly the the best demo of Vita TV was uh, I was I was walking around Sony's booth uh, and they had. Knack demo stations. And I'm like, ah, screw Knack. I don't want to play that game. Yeah, uh, it was really fun. I don't. It's the same old stuff. Whatever. It's like it's it's cute, but like I I feel like I've played it already. I don't need to play it again. Hawks on you. Um, and so I I ignored it, and then uh, Aram from PlayStation's like, how come you didn't play Knack? I'm like, I, I already played it. He's like, oh yeah, but it, that those were running off of Vita TV, and I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> like I didn't even I didn't even realize it. But just like looking at the TV, you don't you don't mm. you didn't notice. Uh, Dude, you can tell you, that. There you go. Proof that Andrew's eyes are shot. Don't believe his reviews. He can't even tell the difference between 720, 1080p and 720p. He can't even tell the yeah, difference. Can't, can't most tell. people can't. God. All right, like most people have no idea what the difference is between those two. I, was, I can. I was just trolling him. I said most. I was just trolling. Jeff. I, uh, 
yeah. trolling. That's what I want. I want GTA in high resolution so badly. So I'm, bad. Yeah, no, I mean, GTA. You just want to see not... a glitch in, in 1080? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I want it on a, on a PC that I can, yeah. But yeah, I think I think that I think that was like the best example of 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 that. It's just like oh, there are just people that are playing Knack, and it wasn't even running natively on 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 that hardware. It was just it was being streamed, and and I don't think anyone noticed. You know, the only way you would really know is because people were using DualShock Three controllers instead of DualShock Four, because uh, Vita TV doesn't support DualShock Four yet for some weird re- for weird reason. But yeah, it's it's a really attractive looking device and. Performance-wise, it looks great. I think the weird, the really weird thing about VDTV is that the operating system I don't think really looks good on a big screen. Like the mm. the the live area operating system that they made for Vita, like having these giant icons, like where there's what only you can only have ten of those icons on on the screen. It just seems it doesn't seem designed for TV, and yeah. it it would be nice if Sony made a different TV for it, but it's clear that they're just made uh, a different interface for it. Yeah, yeah. If they made a different, they might OS, make a TV for it. Yeah, they should. They, they should Sony, have... Sony should consider making TVs. I think. I think... <laughs> no, but it, it's interesting. I never really thought about this, but you combine the two things you you said, which is uh, Vita TV is super tiny with. Them making a TV, they could put Vita TV in TVs. Yeah, they could. They could definitely use that as a that as would be that would be cheap cool. a Sony TV. TV that has Vita TV built, built in. into it. Yeah. yeah, that would be awesome. I mean, I think or or just use the Vita TV capabilities for you know satellite PS4 functionality. So yeah. you know you could have a television that was not directly connected to your PS4. That right, was in another room that yeah. gave you satellite capability. What's well, like when they, when they did that a few years ago? They did that that three D TV that was made for dorms where you could like two of you could play split screen on the same television. Remember they were touting yeah, that really big. I mean it, it's super cool. You can do that with any tele any three D TV. No, I know, but, but, but yeah, they sort the of PlayStation had this, TV. It was a monitor very, that was. A, I yeah. still have it. It's a, it was <laughs> like right, a they 20, send it to a bunch yeah, of people. It's like a twenty inch size monitor. It's a really nice Alex monitor. Alex got ours. But uh, the, the but but they were clearly focusing on a very specific demo, right? Which is an interesting thing. You could think of yeah, we could have a smaller size television that's like, hey, it's the bedroom TV that you can that has Vita TV built in. You can stream your PS4 from the living room into it. That's kind of a neat idea, I think. Uh, I also I don't got, disagree. I also got to try the new Vita, um, and I thought the screen looked fine. Uh, but once again, you know, terrible eyes. I couldn't tell, Can't the, difference even tell between, the difference between 1080i and 1080p. God, you know, you were really holding a, uh, you were holding a Sucrets box. And you didn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I, I think the great thing about the new Vita is that the the light lighter weight actually makes a pretty significant difference. I mean, if you remember the difference between PSP 1000 and PSP 2000, it's it, it's pretty similar. And for me, like. Yeah, I don't keep a Vita in my pocket because I don't wear Jenkos anymore. But it props to anyone that actually got that reference. Uh, <laughs> but just still carrying it around in a bag, like it, it, it feels nicer in your hands to not have such a heavy system. Uh, I think I, I hope they bring that out to America. I'm assuming they will. Uh, I think they'd probably just have to get rid of all the unsold inventory yeah. <laughs> here first. But the new Vita looks good. I, don't, I certainly wasn't troubled by the screen at all. It wasn't like the PSP 3000. I don't know if uh, you guys remember, but the 3000 had an yeah. awful screen. Uh, but no concerns about that uh, here. In terms of software, uh, Resogun. I, th- for, somehow I managed to miss that game at every conference uh, and every opportunity that I had. That's but, the game that's like Defender, kind of? Uh, yeah, it's from uh, Housemark, the guys that made uh, Super Stardust HD. Yeah. And uh, it's essentially Stardust uh, on a 2D plane. 
right. but so you you can boost, you can uh you can bomb. Uh, unfortunately, there were no instructions. Uh, and if there if there were any instructions, they were in Japanese, so it's not like it would have helped anyone. But it's super pretty. I cannot I cannot emphasize how pretty it is. It, in spite of it being like a arcade shooter, there's just so much stuff happening on the screen. And like mm. I I thought Stardust was pretty enough, but man, on PS4, these guys are just it. I think they're just doing things in the background just for like the heck of it, just to like distract <laughs> you and make you want to like observe all these like polygons that are just like blowing up and it's just, uh, it's it's probably in my opinion the best looking next gen next gen game i've seen it's like made wow. the most it made the most impact i think i think just because of how overwhelming it is and it, it it doesn't it doesn't directly i think like when you see assassin's creed 4 next gen for example you sort of remember what the ps3 version looks like and it's like oh that looks sort of better but your memory sort of plays on you where it's like well that's how you expect it to look but resogun is sort of abstract in a way so mm. it's just like Whoa! Like, what is going on, and why is all of this happening on the screen? Uh, so, well, I mean, really keep in impact. mind one of the things that's really, really cool about Resogun, it, if you haven't like paid attention to the scene, is that it's using voxels. Remember voxels? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so everything you're seeing, they're not just like it's not like just a flat pixel with special effects strewn on top of it. It is volumetric pixels that yeah. are being blown around the screen in real time. Cool. You know, they, they've already talked about, I think it was with Eurogamer, they talked about how uh, that was not, this is a game that they could never have done on any lower end sort of power. Like they're really, mm-hmm. they're, they're harnessing the jump in computational power with the PlayStation 4 to make this happen. I think they, I was just reading, they, they said they can do like 500,000 simultaneous voxels on screen i mean but, that, that might there, that might be why it has such a unique look yeah I, I couldn't really figure it out but it just it had such a unique impact of uh, hmm. just visually that that yeah and and, that, I, and and let's not forget that's free for playstation plus members awesome. when the ps4 launches Dude, so and that, everybody they got a launch one gets some it's free ps plus don't they uh, I'm not exactly sure true? about that, but about but thirty day trials are really easy to find. So yeah. you know, free be. on Jeff Kanata will be uh, <laughs> he'll be authorizing those later for you. I wish. Uh, one of the more interesting things about TGS wasn't necessarily what was happening on the show floor, but there's this thing called Sense of Wonder Night, which is uh essentially like the the, the indicate of Tokyo Game Show, and even even across the pond, it just shows how. The indie scene is really coming up with really quite po- like the most exciting ideas, and so in spite of all this next gen excitement and whatnot, it's really it, it was sense of wonder night that really uh, got to me the most. I think uh, there was this one uh, prototype where it was a game where you control it by like you actually had like a teddy bear and you'd like move its limbs in order to like in order to like control the environment, and that was the <laughs> gameplay. The game he wanted to like have this tactile feedback where he's like controllers are hard but you know but they're not they're not welcoming and so yeah true true like, story i was in an underground club once in tokyo where there were uh furries no that's that's the only <laughs> i'm like were, i was talking about teddy bears you went to under there were goth girls dressed in you know the typical kind of you know goth slash lolita type costumes mm-hmm. dancing on the dance floor with uh marionette bears hmm. not kidding that happened <laughs> Who was controlling the marionette bears? Well, you know, they were like, they were, and then they, like, oh, they were. Yeah, like, yeah, then, then you, like, they, people were handing them around on the floor, and you were, like, dancing with the marionette oh, bears. Oh, I see. I mean, I think, look, it might have been really, it was really, really late at night, and I have no, no indication of sobriety, but 
I think I think one it of my thing. my favorite things about Japan are the themed restaurants. I remember a few years ago I went to one which was like sexy nun themed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, okay, that's that's weird. Sure, I'll uh, be uh, awesome if they serve non, non, serving non, non serving non. But so at 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 Sense of Wonder Night, actually, uh, the game that won the Audience Choice Award and uh, won a Critics Award, uh, it's this game called Museum of Simulation Technology, hmm. uh, which is a really odd title for a game. But um, <clears throat> essentially, it or uh, most. Uh, mm. It plays with a uh, perspective, so a uh, forced perspective. So, you know, when a bottle, you know, this water bottle that I'm holding is closer to me, it looks bigger. If it's farther away, it looks smaller. And and so you can resize objects based wait, on... Wait, wait, do that again? <laughs> Blew your mind. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, so, now and... you are holding this marionette bear. <laughs> uh, and Where's Miley Cyrus? <laughs> and you have to solve puzzles uh, using that that gameplay trick by resizing objects uh, and rotating them in the environment. Uh, it, it's not necessarily a unique concept, but the reason why this resonated so well is that the the puzzle design and the way it progresses is really smartly done. Like honestly, it's like it, it's the kind of feeling that that I I had when I first saw Portal. Hmm. Like the the way it like slowly eases you into the experience, and like some of the, the solutions are just so super clever and i and I, I couldn't help but think like after seeing that like if valve like stumbles upon this video like they will hire this guy immediately <laughs> there uh so a prototype of the game you can you can download that so make sure you google search uh museum of simulation technology we, we wrote about it on shack a, a while ago but it's super cool there's a youtube video of it that walks you through the entire thing and yeah it's just it's it, it, it's so much fun like uh i remember uh, uh, they I, the game also introduces portals, so now you have like that that perspective thing and portals. So when you're like looking through a portal, and like you see an object in one shape, you know, like a certain distance away, and then like you're manipulating that by like turning around. It's just it's it's really hard to. It's one of those games that's really hard to explain because the concept is like so out there. But once you actually see it, it it makes so much sense. So, hmm. uh, sense of Wonder Night was just really. Really incredible. Wonderful. It it was wonderful, and 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 to be honest, that would be the main reason why I go back to Tokyo Game Show every year. Just mm. it's it's for the indie stuff. It's really not necessarily was for... it sort of Asian indies focused, or is it indies from uh, it, around the world? It, they invited uh, indies from all over the world. There was a uh, one uh, indie game from Japan that I think you guys uh, were talking about. It, it's a game where you the point is to not play it. Uh, <laughs> so it's like a it's like a commentary. Then I've already won that game. <laughs> yes. Uh, so it's a, it's a fishing game called Suri, uh, which is fishing in Japanese. Uh, so the goal of the game is uh, so the way you play, you launch the app. It's actually downloadable on the uh, app store right now. So you you launch the app, and then you close the app, <laughs> and then based on the amount of time that passes until you relaunch the app, <laughs> you'll get a different size fish. So the so I mean, it, wow. it, this sounds this sounds stupid. That is completely. Bizarre. Yeah. So, like, you know, if you if you decide not to play for like a day, then you'll get like a small trout. That's an amazing de- psychology experiment. <laughs> if you decide not to play for like a week, don't you'll... touch this button. Yeah. This big red candy-like button. There's a present waiting for you, but the present will be better the longer you wait before yeah, opening. It, it, it's like the opposite of free-to-play games, essentially. It's called <laughs> delayed gratification. The game. Yeah, and so the entire point of um uh of the developer was like. Like, why don't you just enjoy life? <laughs> so, It'd be awesome if that game, if that game had push notifications. Like, it's like 
Are hey you dude. sure? Hey, dude. Hey, I'm still here. Wait, just waiting for Actually, you to open that, me. Yeah, that would be brilliant. It, <laughs> it's just, it's just a game of you just trying to be like, God, I don't, I, I know I caught something. <laughs> Push notification. Oh shit, there's some fish in here, dude. <laughs> just open it up. I'll show you the fish. Just open it. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll have to reach out to them for for the localized version because uh, that that's. I, that was a good idea. I, yeah, you you just enhanced it right there. <laughs> Game of the year. Tip, tip of the hat to uh, my many friends also at eight four who have. Uh, I mean at at, at eight four as well. But uh, I was thinking of um, Q Games ah. because they've been doing a lot of work down there in Kyoto on getting folks uh, active in the indie community, especially Milky, mm. who used to work with me at at one up and then went on to work at Q entertainment in Tokyo before moving to Q games in Kyoto, where he's working with Dylan and John Davis and a bunch of other folks who are, and they've been really active and motivating, you know, the indie scene. <laughs> They're really making a lot of progress. The indie scene in Japan, definitely accelerating. Cool. Yeah, definitely accelerating. Very cool. cool. And uh, I'm just going to give you a cookie uh, clicker progress report. Oh, thank God. Yes. Thank God. Thank How God. many cookies per second are you up to now? I'm at 204 cookies per second, and this game is awful. Like, C- CPS? This is, tell, this is, tell, right, tell the stop. people, Andrea, how many cookies you have right now. Well, I can't see my screen that I have back at my computer, but this morning I had over four trillion cookies. Four trillion cookies. Yes. All right. Well, There's too many cookies. Which I then promptly silly. spent buying antimatter condensers. Four trillion cookies is meaningless. <laughs> it's, it's totally. Meaningless. It's not meaningless. You you gather resources like any resource gathering game. Right, look, we and already you covered use this game. To purchase, please upgrades. This is the game that demands discussion, oh, Garnet. Please. And what else from TGS? Anything that's really it. That's, that's really, really it. it. Tokyo Game Show. Uh, that's really it. Uh, also, the worst news: the ramen shop. That that the oh, amazing ramen depressed. shop. Gone, gone. What? This this won't make any sense to anyone that hasn't just covered TGS as a journalist. There was there <laughs> so was a very small group Makahara of people I'm talking to. There is a there was like a staff oriented. There was a there was like a ramen shop that was down in this little alley space that was basically oriented for the staff to go have food, lunch at, and mm-hmm. it made they made really really good ramen. It was really really good. I mean, it, and the one thing that I always remember from uh, that ramen shop is a. Uh, when you uh, dispose of your ramen, you there's a bo- uh, bucket that you dispose of the soup in, uh, but people also just throw out their cigarettes in there. So it's just like mm, of course. so. So when you're like when you walk by, it's just like really pungent combination of tobacco and pork. Uh, and yet they went out of business. And you're crazy, shocker, <laughs> craziness. <laughs> so the halls the halls were pretty empty overall, weren't they? Huh. Uh, I tried to avoid the con- uh, consumer days, Despite to be honest. record attendance? No, I mean, just in general. I mean, so for those unfamiliar, Makuhari Messe is this is a very single, it's a very long, single, open sort of uh, event hall. And it used to be that, you, you know, and it's divided into bays. And it used to be, when I first started going, that all the bays were essentially full of display space. You, know, you had the first section where they had, like, the good shops and, like, a kid's space. But then from there out, you'd have, you know, big displays from Sony and Sega and Capcom and Microsoft and all those big players. And it seems like, you know, with each year, especially over the last couple, three years, it started shrinking, shrinking. Of course, I didn't go last year or this year. And I'm just worried that it's gotten to be, you know, just... An echo chamber. Well, they certainly spread it out because now they actually expanded uh, beyond the Makuhari Messe the hall. They actually have like halls nine and ten in a different building now, oh, uh, but which are res- people. Uh, no, well, there's more people. Uh, so, but it's still more attendees, but yeah. less display. 
Uh, yeah, less displays, but I guess each display gets more space, okay. or there's more. I mean, I remember the first time I went to Tokyo Game Show, like just walking around. It was like it was like being stuck in the subway at a at, at peak hour. You're just like crushed, yeah. and uh, but this time you can actually, you know, you can reasonably walk around, which it feels better. That's nice. Uh, you don't feel like you're gonna get SARS. That's the plus. So. <laughs> and did you go to uh, Saturday at all? Uh, yes, I went on Saturday. Did you uh, check out the cosplay. Uh, so cosplay, they moved that to a different building as well. So they it's not in the in the breezeway anymore. Yeah, no, they 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 moved that into halls nine and ten. So okay, it, it's uh it's its own thing, and it it started much later, and so like I couldn't even see much of the cosplay. I did buy my own cosplay though. So what did you buy? I bought a outfit for um Final Fantasy Type Zero, which isn't even a game that came out here. I did have a conversation with uh, Square Enix about that, uh, where apparently they did localize it, but hmm. they just. They did the number crunching and just releasing it in America just wouldn't Didn't make, make sense. Yeah, just so. Hmm. Uh, Probably should have done that number crunching before they localized it. Maybe, but there's a there's a there's a chance with uh, Final Fantasy Akito, which is uh, based in the same franchise, uh, and that's coming out on iOS and Android. So hopefully that franchise will come out. But uh, me, I'll be uh, cosplaying as an obscure <laughs> character from a video game that never came out in America at <laughs> one of these days. So look forward to that, please. I feel I like how you 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 just totally <laughs> proved that you had been there for a while. Look look forward to that, please. I feel compelled to uh, spend, even though I know the rest of you three are going to like beam out while I talk about this for a second. I feel compelled to talk about FIFA 14 for a minute because it's so. It's all right. I'm just going to keep on clicking cookies. Don't worry. Keep on clicking cookies. Okay. Yeah, I'm, important I'm, work. It's <laughs> it's so good. I'm so happy with FIFA 14, and it it so points out to me to me and and. I hope this doesn't anger folks who I know and and think of as at least acquaintance friends. It is exactly the the glaring poster of why the Madden team should be embarrassed. Hmm. Because here are two teams working for EA Sports, both of whom develop you know flagship annual sport titles. One of whom continues to push themselves harder and harder every season and come back with really excellent efforts and the other one who just sort of drifts around with a great license and puts some stuff on the back of the box and never succeeds at at creating a great video game version of the sport game they're trying to represent we don't have to worry about ncaa anymore It's just sad. It's really sad. This year's FIFA, a couple of the things that they've done that I think the people who have played the game a lot, and I won't spend a long time because I know we're doing the tailgate later too, and the people are like, sports, what's all this sports? They, they, the game has slowed down another step, and, and the result of it, and, it, and it's the result of a couple of things. The result of the ball physics really feeling even more accurate and meaty than they have before, and it's really altered the passing strategy a lot in that you have to really be more attentive of the strength that you put into a pass. It's much more easy now to not put enough foot into a pass and have it sort of lose momentum and die out in the middle of the pitch, which creates a real horrible situation for you. But because you have that fidelity, you're also able to control you know, where you lay the ball across the pitch and how far you lay the ball out. And the momentum system in, in players is, is going to really, really change the way a lot of people play the game. Because... The you know it's been it's been very easy to run up on a ball handler and and with very aggressive tactic and very you know very come after them I'm going to tackle you I'm going to get up on you I'm going to go right after you well you're still going to want to do that but now the way they have the momentum figured into the player animation so strongly if you 
are not careful or if you mistime or misplace that attack, as would a real person, your momentum will carry you past the player that you're trying to intercept and you'll have to recover and then try to go after them. So, you know, imagine players bringing the ball to the pitch. You're coming up to intercept them. If you don't take the right angle and and if you commit hard and don't take the wrong angle, then when your momentum carries you past them, then you'd have to stop turn around, get started going the other direction, go after them. And it used to be that, you know, you could do that in a unnaturally fast way. Well, now, you know, you actually have to recover. It actually takes a little bit to recover and get going back the other direction. And it makes a world of difference, world of difference. Really impressed with that. Really impressed with the, the, like they've added a great deal of fidelity to the size, to the stature of players. And so now you're like, you've got Ibrahimovic down in the middle of the, of the, of the box. Like the dude is a monster. He's so big. And, you know, it's just really interesting to see that in contrast to the, the different sizes of players, the different ways that they play, the ball handling abilities of them. Like everything is really, everything that they've talked about in prior generation generations that was starting to come across really felt like it came through really strong in this version. The, the way, that you can really tell the difference in the skill set of a player and how that's impacting the game, especially when the ball comes into them. So, you know, how how effective are they in trapping a ball? How effective are they at putting their foot out and tapping the ball down to themselves? A bunch of your guys, they're not going to be able to do those sort of crazy pieces of, of video game like uh, gaming you've seen before where they're like, oh, I'm just going to I'm just going to whack a pass across the middle of the pitch and this guy's going to knock it down. to himself. No, he's probably not, actually, unless he's like a really, really high caliber player. You're going to send him that pass with that much oomph on it and he's not going to recover it quickly, which means the ball is going to be open for play. Lots of great, lots of great physicality in play. Really, just like initially, I think a lot of people will be surprised at how different it feels because it's definitely slowed down. It's definitely more physical. You definitely get a lot of momentum-based stuff. But I think that ultimately we played, uh, so I got together with Corey and a couple other friends, Alex and one of his buddies, and, and we played two-on-two for about five hours, and it was, we had a great time. So I want to ask you, I have been a lifelong soccer player. Mm-hmm. I've played since I was seven years old. However, I've never really gotten into FIFA, and I think it's because I'm a lot. I'm very much intimidated by the multiplayer space in the same way that I'm intimidated by like the shooter multiplayer space. Is there a way for someone like me who's interested in the sport of football and soccer, depending where you are, what you call it, to get into a game like FIFA that has such a legacy? Oh yeah, oh oh yeah. I mean, as a matter of fact, that's one of the keys. That's one of the key places where I think FIFA differentiates itself from Madden is that Madden has added some skill challenges, but it, they pale in comparison to the skill challenge and the well and they're not even they call them skill challenges fifa is very good at giving you drills to teach you how to play the game and it's very effective at saying hey here's how you do this here's the situation you would want to do this like here's how you do an early cross and here's why you'd want to use an early cross okay here's a bunch of different way here here's like some cool stuff that looks like you know blocks and targets now use with the skill we just taught you to put the ball on that target and so, yeah, it would teach you how to do all those things. You don't have to play multiplayer. I mean, single player is fine. Single well, player is still fun maybe to play. Maybe I'll try it out. It's still, it, it's, yeah, it's just really, it's, I, I'm just so impressed with the work that they put into FIFA 14. And, and I'm really anxious, really, really anxious and eager to play the Xbox One version, especially because yeah. that was even, that was, that was even better than this. Although I see more of, I see more of what they can do in the next gen version in the current gen version than Madden. I mean, Madden is still just an evolution of the current one where the Madden for Xbox One that I played at E3 felt at least like a new game. 
Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, we have a uh, new game still to do. We will do our finishing moves real quick, and then we'll get on to uh, our quick tailgate before heading off to watch the Niners and Rams. Yeah. Hopefully, by the time you hear this, the Niners will freaking have won a game and get back to 500. So here we go. Finishing moves. All righty. So a couple weeks ago, I talked about an iOS game called Towncraft. I've now played it uh, extensively on my iPad. It's really quite interesting. It is definitely, definitely exactly as I described it, a combination of city builder and uh, and Minecraft. And the 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 downside to this game, which is what I think that many people who like this sort of game would think is an upside, is that it is a little hard to penetrate at the beginning. It's a really hard, little bit difficult to get an idea of what the hell is going on. And I've been playing it, and, and I don't know how many people play Minecraft like this. I mean, one of the things I have done is that because it is crafting-oriented, I've completely eschewed any sort of guides. I don't want to be told, you know, I, I'm like, the, the game is finding out how to put stuff together yeah. to make things. But I wish it gave you some sort of cueing or, or you know, any, any sort of indication about, like, how to, like, start going down the path of, like, what might I want to put together? Yeah. It, it is a little bit of, oh, I'm just going to gather some stuff and throw it in my workshop and see what happens. But it is, it's a, it's a really cleverly put together game that if you are willing to invest some time in, after a hour or so of fuddling around with it, you'll get the hang of it. After a couple hours of getting the hang of it, it'll start to make sense, and then you can play the game. And at that point... It is a really interesting combination of going out and doing these typical sort of city behavior, beholder, city builder behaviors of gathering resources and then building, uh, you know, building buildings within your within your town and having uh, systems that build up of you know workers gathering resources and turning them into finished goods with a crafting system of you going out and taking these pieces, these natural resources or whatever they might be, and combining them to make things that'll help you do stuff. Hmm. So like you know like you have to gather the materials and figure out the right combination to make the walls for different sorts of buildings. Right. Uh, or going out and establishing you so know, it's basically minecraft with a purpose it's minecraft with a purpose with a city builder yeah. right so like you find deposits you define <laughs> deposits of things like ores well you want to mine them you eventually you're going to want to put in a mine right well you don't just have a mine you have to figure out what it takes to make the mine yeah. and then go get the pieces to make the mine and then you can make the mine that's cool so it has that sort of it adds another layer of i'm i built this to putting together the city builder it's really it's quite clever it's quite genius ingenious a little rough around the edges but yeah, quite clever quite ingenious i think it's 4.99 or so in the uh in the itunes music store cool towncraft jeff i you know we are in the uh the age of journalism dying you know it's hard it's hard for uh for a good journalist, journalist to make money but i have been impressed this week with some of the amazing writing i i've find it sad when people only digest their news uh, either audio like this show or video when they're such <coughs> like your show. Hey, hey, you watch it, mister. I'm not saying don't watch those things. I'm saying don't miss out on great writing uh, because I've been impressed this week by some of the amazing writing I've been reading, particularly about uh, Grand Theft Auto V, but also uh, about some of the ideas that I've uh, been been thinking about a lot lately and mentioned on the show quite a lot lately, which is sort of this... This um, bubbling um, lack of acceptance over uh, internet negativity, and uh, you know, there's some YouTube has made a big 
a big change in their policy and some other sites. Popular Science has made a big change in their policy. And there's been some great writing. So uh, on the GTA front, uh, Sean Sands over at uh, Gamers with Jobs, which is a great website, uh, had an amazing um, essay about GTA. And my favorite piece of writing about GTA was actually on Grantland, uh, Tom Bissell. I mentioned it earlier in the show. It is a spectacularly well-written, well-articulated article that uh, really summed up a lot of the things I was trying to uh, spit out of my face last week. Uh, he does a, a much better job. And there's an, uh, a great article um, from the uh, from CNET, actually, from the, the CBSI host. Uh, what is her name? Uh, Karen Levi or Levy? I'm not sure how you pronounce that. Um, but she is the, uh, the host of Rumor Has It. And she did a really great article on CNET about um, uh, her experience with uh, internet comments. And and I, uh, I would recommend people finding all of those articles and reading them because they're all great. We'll just go right around the horn, Andrea. Sure. Um, well, first off, where's my 2N1 team shirt, mister? I've been waiting it for is, it patiently. It is, I, I hate to say it. It is in the mail. There, I hired a... I, did you get your update? I, I did. I talked about it in, in I just wanted to give you shit on, right. uh, on the show. It's on its That's way. <laughs> I appreciate you supporting, <laughs> supporting it. Um, I know I've used this as a finishing move before, but it's next weekend. It's Escapist Expo. If you guys are in the Raleigh-Durham area, please come out to the Durham Convention Center to the Escapist Expo. It's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, the 4th, 5th, and 6th of October. There's going to be a D20 Girls cosplay contest. Red Bull's going to have hands-on with Xbox One and PS4. The WCG USA Finals are there live. There is tabletop gaming. There's a Wizard Sanction Theros Seal Deck Magic Tournament. There's all kinds of really awesome Theros. stuff. So awesome. would love to see you there. If you guys are there, please you know, stop by. There's lots of cool panels and stuff going on there. Andrew, you get to bring it home. So in Japan, I actually tried a capsule hotel for the first time ever. I was pretty intimidated by the concept of it what is it uh so a capsule hotel well, actually yeah i didn't even really know what i was signing up for until i went there uh, all i knew is that like you just get a tiny capsule to sleep in hmm. uh and that's really all i knew like but a space pod essentially yeah do you have to uh, go into cryo sleep uh no that would be pretty awesome though <laughs> uh japan isn't that advanced yet <laughs> i don't know i've seen some videos <laughs> uh but yeah it's like it, it's it's super cheap. It, it ended up being like maybe $20 for a night or whatever. This is in Tokyo, hmm. uh, by the way. Wow. Um, and yeah, so you, you walk in, you take off your shoes, um, you get like a bathrobe to change into, and then uh, uh, there, there's like a public bath, like Japanese style uh, and sauna, like if you want to wash up. And then, yeah, there's a there's a pod for you to sleep in. Uh, it's like bunk pods. So they're like bunk beds, but with more like insulation. Were there uh, people surrounding you? Uh, and there are, and so you can like close your pod uh, for for privacy. It, it it's sort of odd, but at the same time, I'm like, this is perfect. Like for twenty dollars, I would love to stay in any like a major city because, like, let's be honest, if you're spending a lot of time in your hotel, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> like when you're traveling, I think. I guess, but I kind of like relaxing. Uh I mean, I I thought it was super relaxing going oh. to like the the sauna and the public baths, but like that that's all. I I just needed a place to sleep and. Honestly, yeah, I would love to see this concept um, hmm. make its way over to the states. Although, I would be suspicious of like the quality. <laughs> like it, Americans it, love their personal space. Uh, Americans do love their personal space, and I feel like um, they'd be less meticulous about their cleaning yeah. schedule. <laughs> like, how long do you think one of those stays? The same reason we can't have internet cafes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I thought I thought it's uh, it's great if you're ever gonna travel to Japan on a budget. Uh, 
don't be entirely intimidated by it unless you're really tall. So I'm I'm well, I'm five nine and like it did feel a little cramped for me. So <laughs> but you can not, do the internet you're cafe not thing too. Extremely tall. <laughs> I'm not. Although I, I I feel pretty tall when I go to Japan, so it does boost my ego a bit. So uh, since it's a personal pod, it's like my. They should call it like the I don't know like the iPod. <laughs> okay. All we right. Should, we should end it on that. <laughs> Let's end it there. Thanks very much to Andrea Renee for joining us. You Thank can you catch her on me. the Escapist. Yes, you can. Daily? Uh, yes, I'm there Monday through Friday on escapismagazine.com or on our YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash the escapist magazine. Nice to have you back, Andrew. Good to uh, have you here on the show. And hopefully I'll be around again sometime soon. Yes, <laughs> like next week. And, I don't uh, think I will be, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> or soon. Jeff, anything you want to say before you get out of here? No, I'm good. All right, we got the tailgate coming up after the uh, end. By the way, if you don't like the tailgate, this would be when to stop listening, right? Get it? Because the tailgate, like, it's coming up after the music, after the credits, after the music, all that kind of stuff. Then, I think it was funny how... Then we'll talk about football. <laughs> the whole the thread you're referencing right now was all about how I'm not really listening to the show anyway. I know. It's all about how, like, it's annoying to me that I... I can't not listen to this show without being woken up when you guys start talking about something else. It's like, I went, and all these people are coming out of the word work like, oh, yeah, no, I, I often don't listen to the show, too. I just have it on. It's like, well, fine. I guess nobody's, everybody's not listening. We'll just, we'll just talk gibberish now. Yeah, we'll just be like, it's so much easier not to talk about anything all right well if you're sticking around that's great if you're not thanks very much for joining us uh, that's your weekend confirmed and we are ghost
you don't need to banter The basic question and not in the answer You're on the minor and not in the major I'm a touch screen, you a Skytech pager This man Chuck, baby, it ain't fair I create the game and you're just a player I'm like Jordan, Bird, and Bill Jackson You're the number one, busted, what happened? I got the seat, yeah, I'm the captain While you're on the bench, leave the with the clapping I'm making my own, I'm in the zone I guess it's not like I'm always playing at home A young tiger right in this time Staying number one, the only thing on my mind The game's okay, so don't be ashamed Cause you're messing with the player from the Hall of Fame The game you are playing I'm the one that brought it here This episode of Weekend Confirmed is brought to you by the Gamefly app, the must-have app for gamers, with info on over 50,000 console, handheld, iOS, and PC games. Get the Gamefly app for free today on your iPhone, iPad, and Android devices. All right, time for the tailgate, brought to you by the Press Row podcast on Operation Sports. You should definitely check in that out. We have Rich coming up, who uh, enjoyed a much better week, too. He's going to join us here in a little bit with his picks. I, you finally got knocked off I, your high perch. One and two, yeah. I was I was all I would I was all kinds of wrong. You know what? You know what? It was an awesome weekend. I was all kinds of wrong. Most of my fantasy teams tanked, but my Cowboys played the best game of football they played in about three seasons. Uh, Cowboys were my survivor team this week. Oh, nice and so choice! I was very happy that I didn't have to sweat at all. Nice choice. That that was the most complete game of football they played in two or three seasons. Meanwhile, was, my team not so much. What's up with the Niners? What in the hell is sudden, up with the they Niners? They can't play offense. By the way, we're losing well, people. we can't play offense or defense. So. <laughs> All of you, all of you who were, uh, thought you know my prognostications about Bolden were so off after Game One, now now yeah. now he's come back to be Anquan Bolden. Back to the earth, but, yeah. But yeah. then again, we're only at Week Three, so they really need. Ozzy Mandy is sitting in with us. Ah, uh, yes. Hey, Ozzy, what's up? Hey, how's, how's it doing? Uh, Ozzy did pretty uh, well last week. He, did, as a matter of fact, almost everybody else did well except for the studio. Studio was um, a whiff. Studio. Lots of two and ones. Yeah, lots of two and ones. And Rich came in three zero oh, and one last yeah, week. Yeah, we had a rare push. A on rare that. push. How do you like that? It's kind of bizarre, isn't it? A on, a, on a sixteen point spread, no less. I know. Like, <laughs> what's the chances of that? I heard. I yeah. thought I was going to mess him up with that Denver Raiders game, and it wound up being the like the you know, weird game. All right. So uh, yeah, Houston and the Giant. The Giants. You, you can take solace. Wow. The Giants look worse than the Niners. Unbelievable. And, you know, quick fantasy update. Jeff and I are facing off in this one of the leagues. This is a big week. Our first head-to-head matchup. I'm looking at the my app right now, and it looks like I am favored. Well, I have Projected points. Well, because I still have, guys. I have Starks sitting in my flex, and the Green Bay's on a, on a buy. i got to figure out who I'm going to run in my flex. Right. I'm leaving. I'm, i got to leave Vernon Davis in. I mean, here's the problem with Vernon Davis playing, playing tonight is that he's a key player for me, and I he I banked on him to be my starting tight end, you know, every week, but bye-bye. I don't have a backup tight end, and there's nobody on the wire to really grab to fill that hole. Dude, I have Jimmy Graham in, in, on this, li- in this league, and uh, he scored me like 30 points last week. Can, can, can I offer a, an update? Uh, I'm just reading right now that uh, Vernon Davis is active for t- Active for tonight. Excellent. Excellent. He doesn't need to practice. So, so what, are what are our matchups? What are our matchups for us? Uh, so I've got three matchups for us this week, and they are uh, interesting matchups. The first one is a huge classic clash. You've got the Bears from the Chicago Bears. going into their rival, the Detroit Lions. 
Chicago is uh, an underdog right now. Well, Chicago's playing really well. Jay Cutler's playing well. I know, but but only a two and a half point underdog. So usually you think about the you know the home team gets three. This time yeah. you're only getting two and a half. So it's Bears plus two and a half at Detroit. Hmm. <laughs> Who will start? I'll start. I'm definitely taking the Bears because at this point, the Bears. I need. I need them. I mean, if they're going to be one in our division, I need nobody else to have a chance, which means Detroit needs to lose. I already apologized to Andrea earlier for betting on the Vikings to win the division. I totally jinxed them. Hey, hey, hey. It's not over yet. We're only only three weeks in. You're you're only 0-3. And with the way Green Bay is playing, there is time. There's there's time. How about you, Ozzy? Where are you going with the uh, Bears Detroit tilt? This is all going to depend on if Bush is playing. I have no idea if Reggie Bush is in this week. but He's supposed to play... Limited. Uh, but come on, Bell's, Bell's looking Be- awesome. Be- Bell's done very well, but like Bush, uh, I feel like Bush stretches the backfield a lot better. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go Detroit. All right. I'm with you there, my friend on Detroit. I think hmm. that they've got the firepower to uh, to keep out ahead of Detroit, of, of the Bears, especially at home. More, It'll be more than three. More than two and a half. I'm taking the Bears. The Bears. The Bears. Two Bears, two Lions. Uh, Jamie, you can, you can, she you, can take the Tigers. Redemption. Redemption. She's going for Detroit. So they got Detroit up in there. By the way, Dave officially getting married or married now. Dave yeah, he's married. married. I saw Yay. it on the Facebook. Married. Yeah. How about that? Happy to him. But we have Rich ready to make a comeback. So uh, he's going to gloat a little bit because obviously he did very well last week. We'll see how he does, though, this week. Yes, thank you, Garnet. A three and a week will definitely make somebody feel a little bit better about themselves. Uh, but that's the past. We got to look forward. So, f- what do we got going on this week? First up, you have the Chicago Bears heading to the Lions. Um, the Bears are a two and a half point underdog. I am going with the Lions in this one. Uh, up next, you got the Seahawks. David, maybe Seahawks heading to Houston as a three point favorite over the Texans. And I like the Seahawks in this one. I think they're going to win. Then you got Garnet's own Dallas Cowboys heading to San Diego as a two and a half point favorite. After seeing the Chargers take apart my Eagles in Philly, um, I'm going to go with the Chargers. Um, And then as my makeup game, I have the Atlanta Falcons hosting Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. The Patriots are a two-point underdog. I am going with them. Uh, So that's uh, that's my picks for the week. Thank you, Garnett. As always, I love Weekend Confirmed. We all do here at the Press Row Podcast. Uh, And this is Rich Grisham from the Press Row Podcast, brought to you by Operation Sports. We'll see you next week. Thanks very much, Rich. Much appreciate the uh, picks. Glad you are uh, back on the winning trail. When, as usual, you know, wish you luck, except for where it causes me bad luck, and then I wish. I'm me like, luck. don't wish him luck. Why are you wishing just him luck? Okay, I wish you luck too. Okay, All right, thanks. girl. Yeah, hey, Andrea's got some catching up to do. All right, so you guys know the uh, you know the other games we're picking now, but I'll bring up the uh, next one, which is a uh, it looked like a bigger a bigger battle before Houston's collapse in Baltimore last week, but we've got. The Seattle Seahawks, who have a uh, different reputation on the road than when at home, going into a uh, bloodied-nosed Houston Texans team, Seattle minus three on the road at Houston. Seattle minus three on the road at Houston. I yeah. don't think Houston's going to lose this one. I think that they're going to come back. So you, you take yeah. Houston straight up on this? Yes. Wow. Well, no, that's... Yep. They're favored by three. That... They, you got the Seattle loses gives, gives up three. Right, some things, but she she doesn't even want the points. She's oh, like, I don't right, even need right. the points. Right, I think right. Houston's going to win. I I do. Um, I'm I'm. I think Seattle's just particularly weak when they're on the road. I yeah, they're, they're a unte- good argument to be made for that. They're untested Definitely. on the road. They they had a tough time in Carolina in week one. Andre oh, Johnson man. questionable. 
But it's just a shin, a shin injury, a he'll, shin he'll, bruise. He'll so he's going to play. Foster's still looking, you know, like Foster. Yeah. Still got Ben Tate backing him up. So there's a good one-two punch out of the backfield. Yeah. Jeff's very, just very. Houston has not been impressed, impressing me. They have not been impressive. But Seattle has been impressive. I just have such a hard time rooting for them. that I don't want to pick them. Well, so don't. If it helps, I'm going to go with Andrea on this one and hmm. take the Texans to defend home turf. I think that they're pr- too proud a team to have been beat up by Baltimore like that. And at home, Reliance Stadium is going to be loud. Seattle doesn't travel well. They're a better team than that. They getting three points at home? Come on, I'll take the three points. All right, I'll, you've convinced me. I'll I'll pick Houston just to spite David maybe on his uh, n- <laughs> newly married status. It's my little little wedding gift to him is that I'll pick against his team. Uh, I'm also going to go Houston, even though they burned me last week. Oh, they, they they didn't look very good against Baltimore. Jamie, also with the Texans. <sighs> so watch now, oh. Seattle's just going to go oh, we're so toast. Now, right? And drop on him. And then finally, because Ozzy is joining us here and we're across the table from one another, the late game out of San Diego, California, the Dallas Cowboys traveling into the Chargers home field. It's Dallas minus two and a half against the Chargers. That's interesting. The, one, the, the line I have here is minus one. Uh, I wow. pulled the fantasy 911.com lines. Mm, okay. I don't know what line you're looking at. I use, I, we use, not that I, I they should endorse us, damn us, but I use the Fantasy 911 line. Okay. I'm picking the Bolts. I think, um, I think that they've been up and down as they always are. Yep. But yep. Um, they're, they're the home team, right? That's what you said. Yeah, they, they are, are the, the home they team. They are the home team, and yet they are getting two and a half. So I'll, you know. Especially I'll, after, well, look, the, a lot of money comes out of the Cowboys, plus they looked really good against the Rams last they week. They looked really good against the Rams, yeah. It, it's so easy to bet against the Chargers, but they're only a few uh, plays away from being three and zero. Like that, yep. that first game went just. So I don't, are the Cowboys. That's so true. are the Vikings. And, <laughs> and, and, and okay, and maybe that, maybe not that first game, but the last two games but, were heartbreaking losses. They really were. Let's forget that last play in the char- in the last Chargers game ever happened. Let's not remember the fifteen laterals and Rivers kicking the ball down the field. That that, that never happened. Uh, I'm going Chargers. And you know I can't. I have to back up my Cowboys. Even even if but it's even not though a bad are, bet either. It's not a bad bet, although I, I still last week was good. Mm-hmm. I'm still very worried about our secondary after the first two games of the season. So and Rivers has somehow found his receivers. So yeah. yeah. Eddie Royal. I know, right? And and slot receivers cause a lot of havoc. So I mean It'd be a good game, actually. It, I didn't know I Eddie Royal had that in him. I was I was impressed. I think it I think it's gonna be a really good game too. But yeah, I gotta take gotta take my Cowboys. Um, this is a tough one to call, but I'm going to go with the Chargers, too. Uh, did I go with all these same picks as you, Andrea? What's wrong with that? Well, last time we did that, we were 0-3. Well, uh, actually, last time you did that, you were both 2-1. and <laughs> Oh, was that last week? Yeah. Oh. The first week when we did that, we were 0-3. <laughs> Jamie, what do you think? <laughs> oh, she's with me with the Cowboys. Yay! The studio rocks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, friends. Uh, Dave will be back next week, so we'll, uh, he's going to have to do pick up, uh, catch up picks though for the next three weeks. Yeah. So we'll give him an extra one. Thanks for joining us. Hope you have a great weekend. Hope your teams win, unless they're the Chargers. And we'll talk to you <laughs> next week.